Welcome to the Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. And now here's your host, Don Smith. Hey, thank you, Brad Smith, for that great introduction. And thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today for another Don Smith Show, where it's always okay to be a conservative. Hey, another kind of crazy start to the show here this week. Uh, last week, again, we we're going to have Judge Janine Pirro live on the program at 1030 and uh, obviously some things changed there. So this week, we really do. This time, I mean it. So we had to start the show a little bit early again today. Again, want to have that live interview, uh, get her reaction to the pick of the SCOTUS, uh, which is announced today, I believe, at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So looking forward to that. Uh, this is going to be a huge week. Of course, we've got the debates coming up and uh, it's a lot of amazing things happening here this week. I think that really should clear the path on what are we looking at coming into the election. So today, Judge Janine Pirro will join me in just about 30 minutes on the program live. Also, Major General Paul Vallely will be here, Kathy Hinners, and my good friend, he is the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com, Mr. Richard Barris. So, so I'm going to get into a few things here. We've got so much news to cover. We are extending the show another half hour this week as well, so we have a two-and-a-half-hour program today day a little bit more time to do it but still with everything we've got going on it's really not much time so folks you know what time it is ladies and gentlemen uh, let's get ready to rumble and we will rumble with judge janine Pirro here in just about 30 minutes so thanks for tuning in everybody um some of you might be going back to listen to it after you just find out that we started the show a little early again this week. So apologies for that, but it's worth it, uh, something that we wanted to do here, and hopefully you'll enjoy the entire program. So I hope you're having a great weekend so far. We had an amazing week. We had a rally here in Jacksonville, Florida that was just incredible, uh, watching Air Force One land right in front of us. And, uh, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about a lot in the program is voter enthusiasm, and my goodness, I mean, the enthusiasm for this president is incredible. There were uh, thousands of people outside that couldn't even get into this venue, which uh, held a lot of people, uh, but they couldn't get in. So there was a big jumbotron out back, and there were thousands of people out there. So you'll hear, you'll hear the media, and you probably already heard it, where they're mocking the crowd size, and it wasn't as big as everybody said it was. We were there. Uh, and it was. So I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. But that's what the media does. They lie to you. And that's why we talked to Judge Janine today, not only the SCOTUS pick, but her new book, Don't Lie to Me. And, you know, one great thing about the judge is the titles of her books. I mean, the, the previous book, one of the words in that title was revenge, because that's really what it is for the left. This is all about revenge. They still have not been able to deal with the election uh, results of 2016, uh, which is really hilarious because here they are talking about how Donald Trump probably won't be able to you know, deal with the results. So, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, I think we all know exactly what's going on here. Uh, pretty obvious to all of us, and um, I think the judge will uh, probably spell that out as well. And you definitely want to check out her book, Don't Lie to Me, perfect title uh, for, for the times. I mean, you know, it really should be. It shouldn't be the uh, the right having to even say that because we know they lie. I mean, it's just what they do, and it it should be the left saying, "Come on, at least tell me the truth. Uh, I can handle it." You know, it, it, look what's going on with all this COVID stuff, right? I mean, this is just complete insanity. Of course, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis here under a lot of pressure. Not here in Florida. They loved him at that rally, but he's under a lot of pressure from other states who. 
uh, don't like the measures he's taken where he's getting he's getting tough on these riots. He's, tell, he's telling people in Florida, if you're going to burn up our city, you are going to pay the price. You don't get to just stop vehicles and expect them to do whatever you tell them to do. You don't get to approach people in a restaurant while they're dining and make them put their fist in the air and scream out names. And folks, these are the people who tell us they're against fascism when in reality they are fascism. That's exactly what they are. We're watching it play out all across the country. So to be at that rally, one thing we did not have to worry about was we did not have to worry about BLM starting anything on fire, uh, starting fights with anybody. They were they would have been significantly outnumbered. I'll just leave it there. So, again, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do here today, so I'm going to apologize because I am going to run uh, an early commercial, um, not just for the normal reasons for running the commercial, but I've got a few clips that I've still got to – upload again we're two hours early this morning and um yeah so it is what it is but it's going to be great uh, live interview judge Jeanine Pirro we got again major general Paul Valley Kathy Henners who's got a retired police officer we're going to talk about what is it like I mean you know we can all imagine we can say okay if you're a police officer today and you're watching the defund the police and you're watching all this stuff going on what is it really like to be a police officer and I think that's um something that only an actual police officer can answer. So uh, Kathy will be here. Uh, great, uh, great site she's got. We'll talk about that when she's on the program. And then Richard Ferris, we've got a debate coming up. What's going on with the debate? Is Joe, uh, Joe certainly does not look ready uh, to debate anyone. Um, I don't think he could debate Jill Biden right now, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it's, it, here's the bottom line. The expectations for Joe Biden. If you're a conservative, you're sitting here watching this guy. If you're if you're a liberal, you're just hoping, oh my goodness, I hope this guy can keep it together for just you know a couple hours without a nap in between. Uh, that's what you're really hoping. If you're a conservative, you're expecting President Trump to wow. You're expecting it to be embarrassing, but the president still has to perform. So I think he will. Um, I, I, I don't, to my mind, there's really no doubt about it, but he still has to actually perform. It has to come across. Uh, it can't be, uh, you know, the, the big challenge he had in 2016 when it came to debate time was he had Hillary Clinton, right? So, and she had, of course, she was the female and it was all about her gender and, uh, and he was the mean guy that hated women and, uh, you know, but the thing that really got Hillary was the amount of time she spent in office. So 30 years in office, um, you know, it, 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 he, he really highlighted that. He said, how, you know, how, how can you come here? And all of a sudden, now you've got all these answers. Uh, never had them in 30 years. And, uh, and so then she gets up and she says, well, you know, yeah, so I have, I have been a public servant for, for a long time. He said, yeah, 30 years, and everybody mocked her. So now you've got a guy. He's running against Joe Biden. So take out the uh, the misogynist thing and all this stuff. Take out the gender part of all of this. He's an old white guy. Don't know what to tell you. So you, so they lose that. But he's got 47 years in office. So I expect that we will hear that line again and again, and we'll get a take from Richard Barris on that. So a little bit of house cleaning to do here. So I apologize for this. Please stick with me. I'm going to play a quick commercial so I can get a few more clips ready and be totally ready for uh, Judge Dean come up here in a little bit. So hang on. I'm going to play this right now and uh, we will be back in just a minute. Thanks. 
Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you could find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on formateer.com. Or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data re-entry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. And here is our newly remodeled hotel business center. Lobby disk drive computer, dot matrix printer, and modem. A modem? That's right. Dial up. Hello. Need a new way to work when you're on the road? Regis has over 1,100 professional business lounges, access to meeting rooms with video conference studios, private offices you can book by the hour or day, and a mobile app to find Regis locations. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Your mom's got your back. Your friends have your back. Your dog's definitely got your back. But who's got your back when you need legal help? We do. We're LegalZoom. And over the last 10 years, we've helped millions of people protect their families and run their businesses. We have the right people on hand to answer your questions, backed by a trusted network of attorneys. So visit us today for legal help you can count on. LegalZoom. Legal help is here. This is Don Smith from The Don Smith Show. As a conservative talk show host, there is one undeniable truth. Nobody is more uplifting and inspiring than the Democrats. I've always envied them for this. In fact, one could almost say with the new crop that has just come into Congress, they light up our lives. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Is it okay to still have children? I just feel bad for you. 
I just pity you for your role in history right now. At least I'm not trying to cage children in the border and inject them with drugs. Hi, this is Chuck Woolery. You're listening to The Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. Welcome back. So we did get the clips uploaded, so thank you for your patience on that. And uh, looking forward to you about 15 minutes away from Judge Janine Pirro, so that should be great. Uh, really excited about that, and I hope you are as well. So, again, we are until 1230 today, started two hours early. Um, so if you're just tuning in at the end of the show, just go back and you can listen to the whole thing and uh, catch the interview with Judge Janine. So the big thing is the SCOTUS pick here this week, obviously today. We will actually get that name today. Um, Amy Coney Barrett seems to be the front runner. But I want to remind everybody this is President Trump. Uh, nothing is, is completely predictable. And also, she was the front runner when he actually selected Justice Kavanaugh. So uh, just a reminder of that. But I know uh, this seems to be uh, by far the front running pick. And this is just a huge swing. I mean, if you look at this, the, the swing that this is to go from a uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, to what would be Amy Coney Barrett if she is the pick is a is a monumental swing of the Supreme Court. 2016, I think a lot of conservatives really understood that this election had a lot to do with uh, with the Supreme Court. I mean, it was a big part of it. For me, it was a big thing. It was who is going to pick, pick these next justices. Had it been Hillary Clinton, just think about this. Think about where we're at right now and uh, what this court would actually look like had President Trump not won this election. And I think that is something that uh, we should take, number one, a lot of pride in. Number two, just to understand exactly how important it is. I, I hear people on the left, and it's like they're just now figuring out, whoa, wait a minute, this had a lot to do with the Supreme Court, and they don't appear to be uh, necessarily too happy about it, but uh, boo-hoo, uh, tough break. Uh, just, you know, it, it's, well, you know, the left always talks about, they always use these terms like, uh, elections have consequences, right? Until those consequences, well, they're not good for them. And mm, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's just liberalism. It is what it is. And that's what they do. Um, we hear it all the time. But I, if you listen to some of the folks uh, on the left talking about this, you, you listen to uh, listen to Joe Biden, who's now pleading, please don't fill this seat. I, again, I think here, here you've got Joe Biden, who probably feels just like Hillary Clinton. Uh, this is going to be a runaway election for him. There's not going to be any problems for him. Uh, so just, you know, just leave it to me. But here's what, here's what Joe had to say uh, recently. Please follow your conscience. Don't vote to confirm anyone nominated under the circumstances President Trump and Senator McConnell have created. Don't go there. Uphold your constitutional duty 
your conscience. Let the people speak. Cool the flames that have been engulfing our country. When a liberal says, let the people speak, what he means is let the liberals speak, right? Because they don't consider us actually people. We're just a bunch of deplorables. I don't know how many people since 2016 who I've spoken to who were maybe, you know, maybe leaning a little bit towards Hillary, who said once she made that comment, once she, she actually called the voters, it's not a, it was no longer about Trump is a really bad guy. It was if you were even thinking about voting for him. That means you're a bad person, too. You're a horrible person. She even spelled it out. She put all the labels on everybody, the homophobe, the, uh, you know, misogynist, all the, all the terms that they like to throw around. That really hurt that campaign. That really hurt Hillary Clinton and her chances, especially when it comes to independence. But, he, again, even people that were thinking about, yeah, you know, maybe I will, you know, kind of vote for her, it drove a lot of them away. So I think this is uh, – this isn't going to play out well for Joe, and I understand what he's saying. I get that he doesn't want, because he understands as much as anyone, what this means for the court for the next 40, 30, 40 years. For a, a president can last at the longest, eight years, right? A Supreme Court justice, it's a lifetime appointment. So you already hear all the same things. The left wants to change all the rules. They want to uh, put term limits on the Supreme Court justices. They want to pack the courts. They want to eliminate the Electoral College. Uh, they're still fighting Hillary's loss in 2016. And I think this is probably the biggest advantage that President Trump has right now, the fact that they've learned absolutely nothing in the last four years and that they are still fighting that old battle. I don't think that uh, bodes well for them. I don't think it's going to play out well at all. And uh, time will tell. But uh, right now, I'm feeling pretty darn good about about where we're at. There are a lot of reactions out in the street. Uh, If you're a hardcore leftist, you certainly don't want this uh, any pick made by President Trump. You think you know you're going to cry foul. You're going to do all these kind of things. If you're on the right, it's uh, and the chance broke out in the rally in Jacksonville on Thursday night. Fill the seat because this is big. We've never had an election. We've never gone into an election like what we're doing right now. Obviously, COVID nineteen and all this talk about mail in ballots and all these kind of things. We've never had something like this before. There are going to be court challenges. Hillary Clinton, I mean, she came right out and said it, right? She came right out and uh, told Joe Biden, no matter what happens, he should not concede. Now, now think about this in the context of the media and what they're doing right now. So the media, it's all about, well, will President Trump step aside? They did this to him, uh, to, to my point, that they've learned nothing in four years. They did this exact same thing with Hillary Clinton. Well, will you, uh, will you concede the election if uh, – uh, asking before the election even took place. They never once asked Hillary Clinton, would you concede, would you, if he wins, are you going to be okay with that? This woman has spent four years now still contesting the election, still insisting that she actually won, still insisting that the Russians, those pesky Russians were involved. She has yet to accept defeat. Now, I wouldn't expect anything else. Uh, one of my favorite quotes was Ben Shapiro on an interview a number of years ago who said that uh, I mentioned that Hillary Clinton's been running since birth. And he said, no, actually, she was running prenatally. And I think that was <laughs> I, I think that was exactly right. Um, but this is someone who, who is still still yet to really concede the election from 2016. But here was I'm sure you heard this one, but this is important. 
This is important to put this into context. Left always likes to talk about context, so let's give a little context to this, because this was Hillary Clinton's advice to Joe Biden. Keep in mind, everybody is focused on whether President Trump will step aside. Listen to her advice to Joe Biden. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the the force of intimidation that the Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win. There you go. Again, not a single question to Joe Biden. Not a single question to him. What about what about what Hillary said? What about her advice to you? What are you going to take that advice? Are you going to not concede no matter what? If President Trump gets every single vote, according to Hillary Clinton, he's not supposed to concede. He should just, you know, he should fight it. He should get some lawyers. He should, you know, do whatever it takes. That this is the mindset of the left. It always has been. It always will be. And nobody's ever going to ask. It's also the mindset of the media, though. And I think that's the more important point is the media should uh, most definitely be asking that question. What about that advice? What do you think about that? Are you going to take that advice? Um, Really kind of important things. And, uh, again, they're not going to ask that, so it is what it is. But uh, President Trump, he just needs to keep staying the course, I think. If you saw the enthusiasm there Thursday night, and you probably did, but it wasn't just it wasn't just what he did Thursday night in Jacksonville. This guy's all over the place. And one thing that is a huge advantage for him, number one, is nobody really wants to go sit and listen to a Joe Biden. Nobody wants to sit inside one of those little circles, you know, at a Joe Biden thing. You can see it. There's no enthusiasm. In fact, the enthusiasm you see is Trump supporters actually showing up like they did in Manitowoc. Wisconsin showing up at his rallies. You've got more Trump supporters there, like 10 times as many as you have actually Joe Biden. So nobody wants to go sit and listen to Joe Biden read off a teleprompter. Um, Nobody's excited about that. Nobody's excited about uh, Kamala Harris. They don't really want to go listen to her either. But think about this. With President Trump, you've got Donald Trump Jr., you've got Eric Trump, you've got Ivanka Trump, you've got Melania if she wanted to go speak, people would go. People would go watch Barron speak, right? So he's got around him, he's got people that can actually go out and do things. So in a typical day for President Trump, you've got five, six, seven events going on. You've got Eric Trump somewhere, you've got Donald Trump Jr., you've got Women for Trump, which is Ivanka, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Kimberly Guilfoyle on behalf of President Trump, could fill an arena, right? Name anybody, even Joe Biden himself, could not get the same enthusiasm that Eric Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump could get. So this is a huge advantage, and the great thing about this this president, number one, his work ethic. It's amazing. It's incredible. But number two, that he's smart enough to have so many things going on, that, that the family is willing to support, and that he has the star power within his family to also get people excited, to get people um, just pumped up about this election. Joe Biden, there is no excitement. There's no enthusiasm. There's none of it. There just isn't. So this is a problem that he's going to have to overcome. Uh, how does he overcome it? I don't think he does. I think that's the real point here. I don't think there's any way that he overcomes this. There will be no enthusiasm. I think the numbers will be down from what they were in 2016, as much as they've tried to crank them up. And I think a lot of people have just really, at this point, if you're independent, if you're a a moderate liberal or moderate uh, Democrat, I guess, 
if you're those people, you've kind of probably tuned this out at this point because there's nothing for you to get excited about. What, are you excited about defunding the police? Is it, does that excite people? See, I don't think it does. Are you excited about rioters and looters and, um, and just people turning a blind eye to it? Are you excited about that? Probably not. So uh, they, everything they do, and I think this will add when it comes to the debates. I expect the debates to be um, watched. I mean, either these are going to there's going to be a lot of people I think tuning into these debates just to really and really what they're doing. If, if you're not a in, if you're not a base supporter, if you're not in the uh, Trump camp already, if, if you're if you're undecided or you're actually in the Biden camp. You're sitting there and you're sweating bullets, right? You have to be. So, all right, we're a quick commercial break, and then we will come back with Judge Janine Pirro. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms? All manually. Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you could find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com. Or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. Is it time to expand and open offices in Sao Paulo and London? A long-term lease will be like a short, tight noose, and furnishing those will be as much fun as a tax on it. You guys always give me such great negative feedback. Fear and doubt holding you back? Now there's a new way to work to minimize risk. With Regis, you get fully equipped offices without a long-term lease, a receptionist, conference rooms, and over 1,100 locations around the world. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Been looking for an online gathering place? You know, a familiar screen does everything you're used to, except give you grief for being a conservative? You've got to try the Tea Party community. At TPC, you'll know how everything works from the very first minute, and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there. Organize, communicate, share ideas, upcoming events, pictures, and videos. The Tea Party community connects and empowers like-minded, politically conservative people. Like you, sign up today at teapartycommunity.com. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. 
So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection. Are you among the 64% of Americans who believe our country is going in the wrong direction? If yes, then eVoiceAmerica.com is the political take action site we've all been waiting for. And it's really free. eVoice America provides your personal list of elected reps every time you log on. This makes it so easy to email your opinions and e-votes on top issues directly to each of our D.C. elected representatives. eVoice then publishes our e-vote majority percentages on top issues to each member of Congress and the media. Now, for the first time in history, we can know what millions of American citizens are telling Congress. No more gridlock. Join the new American majority using eVoiceAmerica.com, putting Americans in control of Congress. Visit eVoiceAmerica.com today. It's free and easy to use. That's eVoiceAmerica.com. Hey, this is Ted Nugent. I'm on the Don Smith Radio Show, where it's okay to be a real conservative. having a great weekend so far. Again, big day today, the announcement of the Supreme Court justice pick, and we'll see how that all plays out. But sounds like we've got the votes, uh, even Mitt Romney, you know, and sounds like he might even be coming around as well. But this is so important to get this filled. Again, this stuff is going to end up in the courts. There's the mail-in votings. There's going to be, we're, we're already seeing the fraud, right? The, the very fraud that the liberal media, which they're the true frauds, but if the, the liberal media tells us it's not true, it's just, it's not true. I mean, it's a fantasy to suggest that uh, anything could possibly go wrong, yet we're finding, I don't know, we're finding ballots in ditches and back rooms. And um, this is why Hillary Clinton made the statement that she made under no circumstances. Should this guy concede? Uh, he shouldn't do anything. He should fight it. Uh, I guess fight it for the whole four years of uh, President Trump's last four years. So uh, this is what they're setting up. We're seeing it be set up. And the media is always complicit on all these things, right? They always are. It's just the way it works. Um, very complicit. Uh, it's a, it's the, President Trump is getting ridiculed for suggesting that there might be some shenanigans here. And uh, we've seen it over and over again. Was it just recently? I mean, in the New Jersey election, right? A whole bunch of mail-in uh, ballots, and they found them, and they find them late. And um, I'm in Florida. I mean, they, they, we've seen all kinds of stuff here. So don't tell me that it doesn't exist. Don't tell me that it's not true. Uh, don't tell me that it's not possible, because we've seen it. We see the stuff play out every time, uh, all of a sudden, boom, a whole truckload of ballots comes in, and oh, they're all for uh, the opponent, for the Democrat, for the liberal. So, yeah, it does happen, and it happens, uh, I don't want to say it happens on a regular basis, but uh, certainly it happens quite often. So uh, we'll see how this plays out, but this is a whole new kind of election, very important. Certainly things are going to go to the courts, and they're going to get fast-tracked to the Supreme Court. So having you know four to four is probably not a good thing. And it's really important to fill this seat. But 
again, look at, look at the transition that this will make. We, we, I remember Barack Obama, I'm sure you do as well, uh, former president before he was president when he was running in 2008. He was going to fundamentally transform this country, right? How'd that work out? It didn't. Fortunately, fortunately, thank God. But in this case, this is actually something that fundamentally transforms America. It's the, it's the high court. It's, it's finally having a conservative-leaning court. Um, sometimes we get let down by the, those that were put on. You know, obviously, a chief justice, not always uh, uh, a sure pick or a sure uh, vote anyway, I guess is the best way to say it. But, uh, but this is something that really, truly does fundamentally transform the country. So uh, big, day, big day today, big announcement to be made, um, disgusting attacks already being made on, on this. Uh, the, the woman. Remember this happened with Justice Kavanaugh because people thought it was going to be uh, Amy Coney Barrett once again. Uh, it wasn't. But they already had the smear attacks. They already had the, the tweets ready to go and just copy and paste this and put it out there. And then it was like, oops, who, who did they pick? Who, who, oh, oh, it's not her. But, but we know. We saw what happened to Justice Kavanaugh. They, we saw what happened. And what did they do? They did the same thing, Nancy Pelosi, the same thing. We've got all these arrows in our quiver and all these different things we can do. And yeah, No. No, you, you don't. But they jacked up the left so, so bad on that thing by, by promising them if they just made more phone calls, if they, just, if they just gave them more money, then everything would be great, right? But it didn't work out. It didn't work out for them. Fortunately, it worked out for Justice Kavanaugh. Um, but, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're promising them that they have the means to stop this. They do not have the means. And if, if we've got Mitt Romney on board... Uh, we're, we're in good shape. Unfortunately, we all know Mitt Romney has become the new McCain. Um, but in this case, he's finally, I think, putting his conservative values, at least on the religious side of things, he's putting him in place. And I think that's, uh, that's certainly a good sign. We'll see how it all plays out, though. But it is my distinct honor right now to have my next guest on. You know her, you love her, Judge Janine Pirro. Judge, welcome back to the Don Smith Show. Hi, it's good to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here, especially on this monumental day. So I want to get into the book, of course, Don't Lie to Me and Stop Trying to Steal Our Freedom. But I've got to ask you this because I've got you here, and uh, this is just amazing time here in our country. What do you think about what's going to happen today? We're going to get the nomination for the Supreme Court justice, um, and this starts the whole process. This really puts everything full speed ahead uh, to get this done before the election. What, what are your feelings right now on, on what's going to take place here today? Is it going to be Amy Coney Barrett? And what do you think this does? Because Barack Obama promised to transform the country. This, Judge, this transforms the country, at least when it comes to the Supreme Court. So what's your take on today's activities? Well, number one, uh, I believe it will be Amy Coney Barrett. I believe that she has already shown the medal that you need. Uh, when she was being confirmed to the Seventh Circuit, Court of Appeals and Diane Feinstein went after her because of her Catholic religion, uh, saying that your dogma lives loudly within you, meaning her religious beliefs. Uh, and she said dogma lives within all of us, but it has no place. Uh, in the court, that her her you know job is to interpret the law and precedent, and any personal opinions are left out. 
And that's how any uh, judge would answer that question. But she went back at her, and it basically she was saying, you have a dogma in you. You have political dogma in you. But I have a job to do, and I'll do it well. So that's number one. I believe she's got the medal and the spunk to do it. She's young enough. She's in uh, her 40s that she can put a good 30 or 40 years on the court, which is what the president wants. What the president is interested in is cementing a conservative majority uh, for years to come. And he will do that with Amy Coney Barrett, who is a brilliant woman. Uh, And, you know, if they start, if they start going after her based upon her religion, then I think uh, it's going to be a real problem for the Democrats because, number one, the Constitution, Article 6, says that you know, there shall be no uh, religious test for appointment to any public office. It is unconstitutional. But then again, we watched them when they went after Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, and after Christine Blasey Ford accused him of something that she didn't know exactly when, what, where, but she knew who was there, and none of the people there remembered what she remembered, they then decided he was a gang rapist. I mean, you know, it is all-out war when it comes to the left, and that's why I wrote Don't Lie to Me. They just lie and lie and lie in an effort to take away our freedoms. Yeah, exactly, and then let's talk about this a little bit. Your book, first of all, i got to say, I love the titles of your books. The books are great, but I love the titles <laughs> because they, they're, they're so timely, they're so direct, and, they, and it's what people are thinking. It, shouldn't the left be the ones, though, actually saying, don't lie to me, because it's the media that lies to them. We know they lie, Judge, but should be the left screaming, don't lie to me. But talk to me about the title of your book, because I just love it. Well, you know, the, the, for it's, it, this is the third in a trilogy from uh, Liars, Leakers, Liberals, which every day becomes more and more on point. We just found out that the FBI analysts were buying professional liability insurance because they knew that what they were doing was wrong, illegal, inappropriate, unethical, immoral. I'll leave it at that. Then radicals, resistance, and revenge, because the radicals were out for revenge uh, and, and resisting everything that the president was doing. And now, don't lie to me. I was a judge. Defendants would look at me, and defendants would lie to me. And it would have, so those are my dogs. And it would infuriate <laughs> me. I mean, I hate it when people lie to me. I can't stand it. The one thing, you know what? Just tell me what you did. I mean, but don't lie to me. And uh, and every time they lie, it's in an effort trying to lock people up. You don't think we figured out by now? Clean your hands, wear a mask. You know, of the 200,000 people died, I believe it's less than 6% that died of COVID alone. Many were already terminal, dying of something else. And, you know, it primarily affects people over 70. And the people over 70 understand what they need to do. We're not stupid. Um, But, you know, they just want to lock us down. What's that about? It's about the fear factor. Lock us down. Give us a little pittance. We'll stay in in our basements. And they'll open the borders. They'll defund the police. And they'll take away our guns. And they'll have their socialist nation. Not good. Well, I... Yeah, and i got to ask you about this and, and how it relates to your book as well. So don't lie to me. You live in New York City. 
You you have mm-hmm. you have a governor there. You have a mayor there. You have a governor <laughs> there who lie every single day. I, I saw a clip of Andrew Cuomo this morning, and he's talking about how he's encouraging people, Judge, not to take the vaccine. Don't trust the vaccine. He's going to do a review of the vaccine because he's some kind of vaccine expert now, and he's going to tell you whether it's actually safe or not. That is a great example that's just happening right now about don't lie to me. That's actually really dangerous. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it is dangerous because what the left is doing is they're now deciding uh, whether or not uh, you should be able to take a certain medication based upon who the president is. Look, this is a drug that's being reviewed by Anthony uh, Fauci, who's been there from Obama to Bush, uh, you know, to Clinton, been there forever. So, I mean, he's one of their guys. I don't know what the fear is, but in the end, uh, this is dangerous. They hate this president so much. They don't want the American people to be able to protect and defend themselves. But that's no surprise, is it? Because this is the same gang that wants to defund the police. You know, this is the same gang that thinks that police are all serial uh, uh, racist murderers. I mean, they, they're lying every time they open their mouth. And Andrew Cuomo, you, re- you really think that this guy has our interest in mind? He is the one who sent COVID-infected patients into nursing homes, long-term care facilities, when people were saying, no, it's not a good idea. And uh, the New York Post says 10, 11,000 people died because of Andrew Cuomo. I mean, you know, this is, this is a lie. It's a lie for political expediency. And then what he did, he passed a law to give everyone immunity in case at some point somebody got decided to sue. And then, you know, then de Blasio, Bozo de Blasio, that I talk about in Don't Lie to Me, this guy is like, don't you dare go to a funeral. Don't you dare. And people are, are, are this is horrible. But if you need to go to a Black Lives Matter protest, if you need to go out there in, in, in the thousands and tens of thousands, uh, then, you know, have at it. This is your time in history. I mean, are you stupid, too? I mean, you know, it is, this is not the America that we want. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm talking to you now, if Joe Biden gets in, Kamala Harris is the one, you know, they already said it last week, the Harris administration, Biden said it, Kamala Harris said it. What are they not telling us? She's the most liberal leftist senator in the United States Senate. They will change this America, and we cannot let this happen. The land of the free and the home of the brave, and they just want to take it down. They hate it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in, in that you talked about that, and I love I loved the word in your last book, revenge, because that's what this is all about. But let's talk about this, because in your new book, you also say, stop trying to steal our freedom. We've already heard Joe Biden. We've heard him talk about mask mandates, and we've heard Kamala Harris talk about they're going to change our dietary things and tell us what to eat. And this is stuff that people, I think, really need to wake up to, and I think a lot of people are, and I think your book will help more of them do that. But talk about that aspect of it. What, what kind of freedoms do you see us losing if Joe Biden were to win? If Joe Biden were to win and Kamala Harris becomes president, I mean, that's what – us look when you know believe people when they tell you things uh you're going to lose your first amendment rights uh because the first amendment has no place when your conversation is politically incorrect if you say something that they don't like you're going to lose your job if someone feels triggered by your very presence you're going to lose your job because you don't say the or do uh the say the right thing and the first amendment again as it relates to religion 
as far as they're concerned, you know, we can lock down the, uh, we can prevent people from going to work and prevent people from, you know, uh, doing all kinds of things, but they can, they can go out there and pro- buy booze, they can buy weed, but don't you dare go to church. If you go to church, we're going to charge you, we're going to give you a ticket. I mean, hey, I'm a I mean, you know, this is an outrage. We are a Judeo-Christian nation founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. Don't tell me I can't go to church. Don't you dare ticket people in a parking lot who are outside on Easter Sunday because they want to worship. So that's the First Amendment. Second Amendment, right after. They're getting rid of it because they're putting Beto O'Rourke in charge of gun policy, that bozo. And then Kamala Harris (laughs) says the Constitution doesn't prevent me from confiscating guns. Well, who are you? So, I mean, yep. you're firing me up. It's a little early. I got to write my open for my show tonight, and uh, <laughs> I got to save my energy. <laughs> okay, so the, the book is "Don't Lie to Me" and "Stop Trying to Steal Our Freedom." Folks, you can get this anywhere great books are sold. So, I've got to ask you this closing question because this is a big day. At five o'clock, we're supposed to hear uh, who the pick is. We expect it to be Amy Coney Barrett, but I want to remind everybody: this is President Trump. <laughs> we we thought it was going to be Amy Coney Barrett as well, and then it was Justice Kavanaugh. So, I just want to put that out there. But let me ask you this: because your show is going to be huge tonight to to go over all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Who do you have on at nine? p.m. Eastern tonight? Well, we're going to have the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. That's Lindsey Graham. Uh, he's one of the ones who's going to create the calendar, the timeline. Uh, Senator Tillis, uh, who's on the judiciary. These are the guys who are going to be voting. Um, and uh, um, we've got, uh, who else do we have on tonight? We've got, uh, um, now, now I'm running a blank tonight. Let me think, let me think. Tillis, we've got, uh, of course, Leo and Bongino. Um, we also have a uh, – let me look this up. See, now now I'm going nuts. Now it's, I'm losing it. <laughs> Hillis, and uh, I can't remember. Somebody really big, somebody else. I forget who it is. But <laughs> we're going to well, have a gonna lot be of great discussions. Yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern tonight, Judge, this is going to be a huge show because, I mean, again, 5 o'clock, we're supposed to get this pick. It's going to be a huge show. We're we're having Ronna McDaniel, uh, and we're also going to have try to find some people who know Amy Coney Barrett to talk about her. Uh, And obviously, I'm going to have an open, so I'm going to rant a little bit because whoever this person is, and I'm convinced it's Amy Coney Barrett, I mean, she is going to face the kind of attacks that no – uh, judicial candidate has ever faced, and that's not a good thing. And uh, we've got to tone it down a bit, but the Democrats are going to have a hissy fit. They will not tolerate what what we yep. are doing, which is to respond to the Constitution. So and, and, anyway, be and there I think tonight. How the- and I think how they treat her is going to impact this election. I think people are not going to like that. I think this is the deplorables of 2016 comment that Hillary made. So I think it sways the election. Judge, the book is Don't Lie to Me, Stop Trying to Steal Our Freedom. 9 p.m. tonight, everybody, Fox News, watch Justice with Judge Janine Pirro. Judge, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to the show tonight, and it's always great to have you on the program. Well, it's great to be with you. I really appreciate it. Now I'm going to sit down and write my open. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go. You have a great show tonight. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right, Justice. Justice with Judge Janine Pirro. Watch at 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight. It's going to be amazing because this, this, again, this is monumental in our history. Um, This is a huge shift. 
Again, this is this is really what uh, what Barack Obama promised: a transformation of America. Well, one of the ways you transform the country is, of course, presidencies, but they last four to eight years, right? That's it. Supreme Court justice. This is a life. Time appointment. This uh, Amy Coney Barrett is a young woman um, replacing. You know, let's look at this for a minute. I don't want to disparage uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Obviously, uh, she had a long career. She was very impactful. If you're a conservative and impactful in the in the wrong way, you know, you know, not the way you wanted to see things, because she was an activist, right? She was an activist judge. But remember. They tried to, to talk her into stepping down. She's had health problems for a number of years, and they tried to talk her into, into stepping down uh, in Barack Obama's first term. Then when he won re-election, they really turned up the heat, and they were like, okay, we really need to allow uh, President Obama to make this pick, and, um, and she wouldn't do it. So number one, I actually give her credit for that. Uh, she said she was going to do it on her terms, and she did it on her terms. That's one of the things I, I respect about her. It was always on her terms. Nobody bullied her. Nobody made her do anything. But there's also a price to be paid at this point for that. So do you have this thing open up? You know, look, look at how it already was, right? And things were pretty crazy already coming into this election. Uh, things were heated up. We've got the COVID. We've got all these different things going on. And then this hits, and it hits at the time that it hits. That's, uh, I mean, this is thing has taken this thing up about five notches. So uh, big thing, big day today. Again, announcement will be made. The hating will start. Uh, we'll see. The, I guess the fortunate thing for uh, if it is Amy Coney Barrett, the fortunate thing for her is there's not as much time, right? Because the Justice Kavanaugh, that was that went on for, for quite a while. I mean, we had the hearings and we had all these kind of things. I don't think that Mitch McConnell and the rest of the Senate, I don't think they're going to they're gonna play games like that. I don't think they're going to have time to play games. And I, well, when, let me say it this way. I hope they don't uh, be willing to play games and to go along with the, the Chuck Schumers and the Nancy Pelosi's and all the squawking that they're going to do. And uh, I don't think they're going to allow that to happen. I hope they don't. Uh, Mitch, if you're listening, please don't let them play games. Uh, don't let them destroy this one. Don't let this thing drag out to election day or two days before. Get it done. Make it happen. Uh, put her in place. And then it is what it is. We'll see the impact on the election. There's going to be some on the left who wouldn't have voted for President Trump anyway, who are going to hate it and say this is, oh, it, oh it's, this is horrible. It's the worst thing any president has ever done. Uh, there's going to be people that are going to do that. It is what it is. But people, there's going to be also people on the right that say, fill that seat. So what do the people in the middle think? Do they think it was a bad move? Do they think it was, um, I don't know, you know what, what are they going to think? Are they going to be okay with this process? Is it going to impact their vote? Is it going to keep them from voting or make them more likely to vote? These are all the things that will be answered on Election Day. We won't know until then. Uh, we'll have polls. We'll have polls that say this and say that. Um, always got to be careful with polls. And this is why, uh, of course, we've got uh, Richard Barris on Big Data Poll, peoplespundantdaily.com. Uh, it depends on how you take the polls, and he's explained that many times. If you skew a poll, if you want a poll to say something, you can talk to a certain group of people and make it say whatever you want it to say. So keep that in mind as you look at the polls. Keep in mind 2016. I mean, there, there were polls. There were polls a week before the election that said Donald Trump had a 1% chance of winning. We all remember that. And you know what? You know who really remembers that? That's right. The left. Hillary Clinton. All those people that bought into it, that said, hey, okay, they, they know. They know how the polling works. See, you've got two different kinds of polls that take place in this country. One are 
the national polls. So those are the ones that, hey, you know, you can skew it. You can uh, you can make it say whatever you want to say. If you're, you know, if you're the CNN poll, you can say, well, okay, we'd like to, we want to show our audience, obviously, a certain narrative. We want it to fit what we've been saying so it makes us look good. Um, so you do that. You conduct the poll in a way that it tells exactly what you wanted it to tell, right? But then there's internal polls. These are the really important ones because if you're President Trump or your Vice President Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, you want to know the truth, right? I mean, you want to know exactly what really is going on out there, and uh, so you're not going to skew those polls. You're gonna you're gonna make them. Uh, as fair, I guess, and as representative, truly representative as you possibly can so that you know the truth. You may not share those polls. Uh, that's why they call them internal polls. But you want to know what's really going on. So uh, that's the difference between the two kinds of polls is do you have a narrative that you're trying to support or do you want to know the truth? And we always have to be careful when we watch these things. We always have to be careful that we know exactly what kind of polls we're looking at. I think that's really an important aspect of this. And, um, but yeah, I mean, Judge Janine, just she's fired up. And, and again, I think her show tonight is going to be amazing. Um, I can't think of anybody better to bring on. That's why we, we did what we're doing here today, starting a couple hours early, just so we could have her live and get her take on uh, what her thoughts were on this pick, on this process. Um, but the big thing is what, what do the people think, right? And this is Hillary Clinton, 2016, basket full of deplorables that did not play well in middle America. It may have played great out in uh, California and New York City and in a lot of these other places, but this did not play well in middle America. I've talked to so many people who have told me, they said, she was calling me names, and I'm not even, and these people aren't even like super political or anything like that, but they were like, wow, these are my neighbors, these are, this is my family, these are my friends, these are, it, these, it's me, she's talking about me. And, and that's obviously uh, quite problematic as well. So how does it play out? Time will tell. Uh, big thing this week, the debate. And we'll, again, we'll talk to Richard Bears about that in just a little bit. But a huge thing. You know, you've got President Trump, again, once again, he is outworking his opponent. I mean, like big time, right? He's really outworking him. This guy's work ethic is just absolutely amazing. And you've got Joe Biden, who 47 years in politics, but he has to practice for the debate. Let that sink in for a minute. 47 years he's been doing this. He's a guy who's been involved in numerous debates over the years, but he needs practice. So yeah, I can't really do anything today or yesterday or the day before because, yeah, I really got to practice. 47 years. I don't know. Again, the big, the big thing in the Hillary Clinton debate, I think when the tides shifted, was when he hit her on being in politics for 30 years. And just all of a sudden, oh, now I've got all these great ideas. I know how to fix everything. She actually sat in the White House for eight years. But now she figured it out. Okay, here's what we need to do. Okay, Joe Biden's doing the same thing. This is one of the things that I hate about the, uh, the entrenched politicians, the people like Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, um, and many others, even on the other side is they act like they're sitting on the couch, right? They're, like, they're just casual observers of what's going on. It's not like Joe Biden was involved in any of the uh, crime bill, the 1994 crime bill, which was actually called the Biden bill, right? Remember that? Now all of a sudden, you know, he's just some guy on the couch, and boy, if he really wishes he could do something about this. 47 years. 
I'll say it again. So, hey, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but everybody stick around. We will be right back with Kathy Hinners, and uh, we're going to talk about this, this defund the police stuff. This, this is toxic, too, and I think it plays – I think it has a major impact on this upcoming election because this also is something that doesn't play in middle America. So quick break. We'll be right back after this. In salute to those who've protected us and our families, we'd like to return the favor. Military veterans and their families get 30 days free and 15% off LifeLock identity theft protection. best sleep of your life. Sleep Number Beds with Sleep IQ technology adjust any way you want it. The bed that moves you, only at a Sleep Number store. Let's say you need to take care of legal matters. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than using a traditional lawyer? Well, LegalZoom came up with a better way. We took the best of the old and combined it with modern technology. Together you get quality services on your terms with total customer support. LegalZoom documents have been accepted in all 50 states, and they're backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So go to LegalZoom.com today and see for yourself. It's law, but just makes sense. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection. Been looking for an online gathering place? You know, a familiar screen does everything you're used to, except give you grief for being a conservative? You've got to try the Tea Party community. At TPC, you'll know how everything works from the very first minute, and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there. Organize, communicate, share ideas, upcoming events, pictures and videos. The Tea Party community connects and empowers like-minded, politically conservative people. Like you, sign up today at teapartycommunity.com. Building owners, you got to clean up your act. You got to retrofit. You got to save energy. If you don't do it by 2030, there will be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings. And this mandate is going to guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers. enough there that any other person who has um, engaged in those acts um, would certainly uh, have been indicted. In the fight not only to defeat Trump and his racism and his sexism and his homophobia, this is a time for the American people to come together in the fight for economic justice social justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. And that is, that is what this campaign is about. I think most Americans, not just Democrats, would agree with it. We all, anybody who's got a half a brain, 
agrees that there is climate change and that human activity has caused it, and we better do something about it or we're going to be cooked, or certainly our children are going to be cooked. Just because I work at home doesn't mean I want to look like I do. That's why I'm building my corporate image with a Regis virtual office. I simply use one of Regis's 750 high-profile business addresses as my own. My calls are answered by a professional receptionist in my company's name. And when I need to meet, Regis offers conference rooms and furnished offices. With all this and more from just $150 a month, that works for me. So try it today, and you'll even get one month free. Just call 888-OFFICES or visit Regis.com. That's R-E-G-U-S.com. Hi, this is former Congressman, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Alan West. Hi, this is Betty Shapiro, New York Times bestselling author of Bullies. Hi, I'm Charlie Daniels, and I'm on the Don Smith Show, where it is okay. In fact, it's wonderful to be a conservative. Welcome to the show. After you're having a great Saturday so far. Again, hope you enjoyed the interview with Judge Jeanine Pirro. Also coming up is Major General Paul Valley and my good friend, Mr. Richard Barris, the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. But it's my pleasure to have my next guest on, especially in highlight of everything going on around the country, all this defund the police stuff, and, uh, which obviously will not end well. Kathy Hinners is a decorated retired police officer from Albany, New York, where she patrolled for 20 years. Prior to her retirement, she participated in the Intel Liaison Division while she was active in an emerging Middle Eastern Muslim community. Based upon this experience, she developed a three-day course on Middle Eastern crime, culture, and community, which she has delivered to thousands of law enforcement officers around the country. My pleasure to have her on right now. Kathy, welcome to the Don Smith Show. Well, thank you, and thank you for inviting me on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on here. And again, in full disclosure, this is also, uh, you are friends, also we're mutual friends with uh, Victoria Jackson. So thanks to Vicki for, yeah. for setting this up. I really appreciate that. I want to talk about this. We're, we're watching what's taking place in this country, and it's it's kind of frightening, uh, especially if you are a law enforcement officer. So I want to get your perspective. When you sit here and you watch uh, people screaming in the faces of police officers, throwing bricks at them, at Molotov cocktails, shooting fireworks at them, what what is this do to your psyche as as a retired police officer yourself? Well, on a personal level, it is heartbreaking. I see, you know, my former brothers and sisters in blue that are taking. It's not even abuse at this point, Don. It is just outright disrespect and harmful, very harmful to the physical and mental well-being of our police officers. On the professional level, though. Um, you know, you look at the continual refusal to allow police to do their jobs. They're, you know, they're tying their hands more and more every day. They're taking away the very tools that we need to use to kind of de-escalate violent situations. You know, they don't want them using pepper spray. Uh, they don't want them uh, using, you know, rubber bullets. They find them offensive. So they're asking and demanding that the police, you know, don't use those anymore. So what's left, you know, for law enforcement to use? You know, you're starting to run out of options other than real guns and real weapons and real bullets. Um, it's really a shame uh, that we're doing this, that we're seeing this abolish or, you know, defund the police, which is abol abolishing the police in, in, in essence. Um, but, you know, when you look at the, the things that they're throwing, the Molotov cocktails and fireworks, 
bottles filled with gasoline and urine. Uh, these are considered items that can certainly cause serious physical injury or death, yet we're not allowed to use the appropriate level of force back. So it, it's really disheartening to see. And I can tell you, every officer on that front line, the, the absolute discipline and restraint that they have to have someone in your face dehumanizing you and degrading you, um, you know, we should be so thankful to our law enforcement rather than degrading them on a constant basis. And that's what happens when yep. you watch mainstream media. You know, it's, it's, it's really disgraceful and scary. It's very scary, and let's say, and I want to talk about that because you just hit on something that I think is really key in here, and I think it's probably the most dangerous aspect of this is the media's complicity in all this. The, I mean, the media just constantly portraying the police as, as the bad guy. I, I grew up being, I was taught that you respect uh, authority, you respect, especially law enforcement. I mean, they're they're there actually to serve you, to help your community, to not let it deteriorate to what we're seeing right now. Talk about that though, because you watch the news and and you see that. It is slanted against the police. And what are we teaching the next, the future generations of this country? And, and that's a hard part to see because when, when I was still on, I would see parents with their younger children who would wave to us, who would get smacked in the back of the head and told not to talk to us. So it starts at a very young age. Um, but the other thing that they don't talk about is the, the communities themselves that are wanting the police there. You know, it seems to be the loudest voices, the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa, and all the thugs of society that are the loudest right now, and people in the communities who they say they care about and are protecting, um, you know, they're suffering because they want the police. They need the police. And I say all the time, you know, if, if the police aren't safe, neither are you. And so it's, uh, it's amazing to me that the mainstream media has turned completely. You know, I remember back on 9-11, uh, police and, and firemen were just, you know, we were put on pedestals. There were parades for us. And and how that has changed um, because it doesn't fit a narrative that the left is, is spewing. And so the mainstream media, who on individual basis is probably have had some dealings with police, probably love the police to be in their neighborhoods, but yet, you know, get on the air and stir the pot. And, and you know, it's very dangerous because the lawlessness that we're starting to see is, is scary, and that's coming for your town. It doesn't necessarily have to be a big city. It could be a, a smaller county or a smaller town. It's coming to that community. So, you know, we need to stop this rhetoric and, and support the police. You don't have to like us, but you have to support us. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. respect. I mean, you, yeah, I think you deserve respect. But let me talk about this, because I remember years ago, and this was Mayor Rudy Giuliani, you, you served in, in the state of New York. We, we had this whole theory about the broken glass, the broken windows, and, and mm -hmm. this was to turn things around because we had really high crimes, high murder rates. It was uh, New York City was a scary place at that time. This made a huge difference, and people, they, crit they criticized, they said it was wrong, but then the results came in, and we saw the crimes mm -hmm. go down. We saw what this did for New York City to make it safer. Now we are doing the exact opposite. I watched this morning, I saw the uh, Attorney General in New York now 
saying, you know, we really don't need to stop people for any kind of traffic violations, seatbelts or Ugh. speeding or because they can end violently. And, and, you know, but this is, this is the exact opposite of what the, the theory was under, at least under mayor uh, Giuliani and carried on even beyond that because it was so effective. How scary is this mm-hmm. when we start saying, yeah, we're not going to worry about this. We're going to not do this. We're going to send social workers to deal with violent, <laughs> uh, domestic yeah. situations. I mean, this is insane. Talk about that a little bit. Just the the difference between the theories. Well, the, the social workers ultimately end up calling the police, and, and I've been involved in many <laughs> calls, um, not only just domestic violence, but, you know, when you, when you have someone who's mentally disturbed, who needs help, um, there is violence involved. And, you know, we are trained to a certain level on how to deal with the mentally ill. Um, we certainly have tools for de-escalation, but de-escalation requires two uh, two sides. You know, there has to be a willing party to come down the same as the police do. Um, so I think it's very frightening. I remember the days of New York City being so you couldn't walk on 42nd Street without a peep show, you know, person coming out asking you, you know, if you wanted to join them. Um, but I think what's important for people to understand is the numbers, too. You know, you're talking about New York City has over 36,000 officers and people say, oh, well, you know, losing a few doesn't matter. As of July, and I'm sure the numbers have gone up, but there were over 500 officers, which is a 75 percent increase, that have filed for retirement. So when you break that down, the police cover all the boroughs, you know, for people who don't understand that. And then within those boroughs, there's precincts. And so that's what it's affecting. It's affecting the the officers on the street, the actual officers that respond to burglary calls or your store being robbed calls and things like that. And so, you know, when you may look at the big picture, oh, there's, you know, there's plenty of cops there. But then on the other side of that, too, the number of recruits here in the Nashville area Um, They are down probably over 40% of people applying to be police officers. You have to be out of your mind to join right now. Um, But it's, you know, it's a very important job. We have to have police officers. And so it's, it's a shame, though, that people don't like to hear the word profiling. Well, I can tell you that profiling, whether it's, you know, whether it's an ethnicity or a race, it has to, it works. I mean, we can't have a subject that just robbed a bank and, you know, use the terms like Eric Holder had wanted us to use um, while he's wearing a gray sweatshirt and black pants and not give any, any idea of what the man or woman looks like. So, you know, people get the wrong image of profiling in what we do. And I say to people, you know what, you need to do a ride along with your police officers, which, you know, you can do, uh, and learn and learn what the terminology means. Learn how we, you know, you talked about the broken glass. Those things work. You have to have the ability, of course, you know, we have to have reasonable doubt and probable cause and those type things, but understand the terminology and how police operate. We just don't walk up to people and throw them up against a wall. Of course, there are bad apples. Uh, You know, I had some in my own squad, but the overall job being done by law enforcement is just incredible. There are exceptional people and they love what they do and they want to be there to help. And so that's what we need to do. We need to help them and to understand them and understand their job. Yep, great point, great point. Kathy, I've got to ask you this, because this is the one thing that really scares me about this. So we've got Minneapolis, we've got Seattle. So these guys are like the furthest down the road uh, city councils when it comes to actually defunding. Of course, New York has done it already as well, but the big ones are Minneapolis and Seattle in my mind. What they say when they're asked about this, they say, well, what are you going to do in a world without police officers? And the response to this is what really scares me. 
they say, well, no, we're still going to keep a couple police officers around with yes. carrying guns for just the most violent of situations. So just we're just going to send them in when uh, when it's really, really bad. People are getting shot and killed. Uh, if you're a police officer and you're a retired police officer, you didn't join the force to just get involved in super hyper violent situations. Right. You were there to serve your community. I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but you wanted to serve your community and you wanted that was just a small part of your job when you got mm-hmm. caught up in those situations where you were sent to those. Now they're actually saying that people are going to be willing to serve as a police officer with a gun only to go into the most violent of situations. <laughs> that is really scary to me. And do you think anybody really is going to want that job? Uh, no. And you'd be crazy to say that you did because you don't join, you know, to be involved. You know, of course there's an adrenaline when you're going into, you know, a, a high risk type scenario, uh, but that isn't why you join the police force. You know, you join to help people in all situations. The problem is a lot more of these instances, a lot more calls turn violent in some respect. It may not be uh, the most violent, you know, involving weapons, but I can tell you that a lot of calls, people don't want to necessarily see the police from traffic stops, you know, to, to robberies. People aren't interested in seeing the police. So there is that propensity for violence. There is that thought that a traffic stop with with just one officer that can escalate if you decide to say sir you're under arrest you can't always control what people's emotions are going to be or what their reactions are going to be so you, you can't just depend on sending people into the violent calls because any call has that chance to turn violent and so it's really absurd that they would even think um that i would join the police department to go put myself more at risk than you are when you get in your patrol car. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but what's interesting too, Don, is that they're the same ones that call the police, um, you know, when they need them, if their home was being broken into, I don't think they're going to call Joe Schmo uh, from some public service or public works department to come and handle the situation. You know, there's a lot more than police just showing up. Uh, we've got investigators that have to be involved. So there's a lot more involved with than that. These people, these common councils and city councils, uh, they, you know, the, the leftist ones, they pretty much have lost their minds. Um, and it'd be interesting to see who they call if they need help. Well, yeah, and, and on that note, I have got to play this clip for you and get your reaction. Now, Charles Barkley, former NBA star, I'm not saying he's my go-to guy for common sense, but in this case, uh, I think he gets it. And this is, this is the thing. I don't, are they going into these communities, especially the communities that the police serve the most? Are they going in and talking to average citizens and saying, hey, are you, are you okay with not having any police here to protect you? I think the answer mm-hmm. would be no, but here was the clip from Charles Barkley here. I think he made this comment yesterday, and I want to get your reaction to this. Who are black people supposed to call Ghostbusters when we have crime in our neighborhood? We need to stop that defund or embarrass the cops crap. Wow. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Who are we supposed to call? Well. <laughs> he does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, like and, and that's crazy because you go back to the people in the community, the hardworking, just want to, you know, go home and do their job and, and just have a family, raise a family. Those are the people that need to be spoken to, you know, and we talk about Black Lives Matter. Are they going into the communities and, and helping black lives? And, and so, you know, it's so, it's so skewed at this point. And like I said, it's the loudest voices, the loudest radical voices that seem to be getting all the attention and not the actual people that would need the police. Yep, exactly. So I want to get into this, everybody. DailyRollCall.com. DailyRollCall.com. 
before I get into some specifics here, uh, Kathy, t just give us an overview of, of what, what they're going to find there at dailyrollcall.com. We kind of cover, uh, we've been exposing a lot of the organizations throughout the country, but specifically now in Tennessee. Um, you know, we talk anywhere from the Islamic organizations uh, that are here to infiltrate and indoctrinate to Black Lives Matter, the Highlander Research Center. Um, and I just would ask people to pay attention on your local level, you know, who you're voting for, because we're, we're allowing a lot of leftists into these positions. And so we expose and, and run down who's who in the local areas, in the state areas. And um, so there's a lot of information on there. There's, there's all kinds of Islamic uh, information. There's all kinds of Marxist information and articles. So hopefully people do go to it. We have a podcast now. The link is on the website to the podcast. Um, and it, it says Talking Tennessee with Kathy Hinners, but it's meant for everybody. Um, so I hope people can go to it and they can contact us if they have questions. Um, they can certainly contact us through the website. And I want to get into something that, that, that I ran across uh, when I got the link to your site, and, and it really jumped out at me. And I, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. People think, you know, Tennessee, it's Bible Belt. It's, you know, always been conservative. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff going on in your state. So I agree with you. Everybody needs to be involved with what's going on locally in their area. So let me talk about this. And it is the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition, which sounds absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, <laughs> and this isn't, this isn't Fox News, so you, we can talk about George Soros, but this is a George Soros-funded organization. Talk a little bit yes. about what people will find when they read. I recommend everybody check this article out, but tell us about the TIRRC. Well, like you say, they're purpose-driven, except that their organization is very antithetical to our Constitution. They're a named affiliate of something called the National Council of La Raza, uh, which is a socialist-minded group, but they have the same goals. And so, you know, you talk about their lobbying for mass immigration, for amnesty for illegals. Uh, they have their voting rights for undocumented um, persons, as well as driver's license for undocumented persons. Uh, so they've partnered with a lot of different organizations, um, unsavory cohorts, if you will, uh, that all can be traced back to what's called the Proteus Fund or the Open Society Foundation, which is George Soros, who funds them. And they're very well organized. Uh, we have found one of the latest discoveries that we found is Turk, the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition, have partnered with what's called the Highlander Center. Now, a lot of people remember that uh, Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King attended the Highlander Center here in Tennessee, um, but we've found now that it's a training facility for Marxists. And we know that uh, 10 days after the election of President Trump, Turk and Black Lives Matter went and was trained at this Marxist training center. Uh, po uh, Patricia Colors, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter admits to being a trained Marxist, and this is where uh, they're from. So there's a lot of connections here. Uh, Care, uh, Turk is also in bed with a, an organization called the American Muslim Advisory Council, who is an arm of Care. Uh, we've been kind of trying to keep Care out of Tennessee. We're doing a pretty good job, um, but we know that they're an arm of other Muslim Brotherhood organizations as well. So I would ask people to look for Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalitions in their own state, you know, take off the Tennessee. Um, but there's groups like the Bridge Initiative or Catholic Charities. These are all the same type uh, organizations as Turk. They all have their hand in changing the very fabric and demographics of America. And so they sound good. They sound like they're helpful to refugees and immigrants. 
Um, but they're on the flip side of that. They want all the wrong things for those people. They have a, you know, a voting drive and, and, you know, to get people to vote Democratic and to vote against, you know, President Trump. So it's, it's really important that people understand. And we always say, um, you know, you can help by knowing who it is that's in your backyard. And so I think that's yep. really important as people, I mean, the, the organizations, you can get very mind boggling, you know, when you start reading all the connections, but it's important to know those connections. And uh, I know people like yep. to go down rabbit holes and I can help you. <laughs> so they can reach <laughs> out to us. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking about knowing who's in our backyard, uh, I want you to tell us about this. You are the author of Muslim Brotherhood, The Threat in Our Backyard, which of course you can find on Amazon. So it's Muslim Brotherhood, The Threat in Our Backyard. Talk about it. Uh, yes, sir. They have many organizations that sound, like we said, they sound wonderful. They sound very helpful to Americans. Uh, they sound pro-America. Uh, we know that the Islamic Center of North America and CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, they're all part of the Muslim Brotherhood, and they are in every single state. And that's very important for people to understand because they are also part of uh, different different agencies within the White House. And it's not that President Trump has put them there. They're from the Obama era. Uh, but, you know, they have a, an agenda as well as the communists and Marxists and socialists, any other is. They all have the same agenda to change America. And so, you know, they're pushing for their laws. They're pushing for Sharia law in states. And so, you know, it isn't necessarily about the Muslims themselves. You have to understand what the what their religion dictates to them. It is a complete way of life. And so in the book, I break down who the actual organizations are throughout the state. Uh, and then we, we do talk about some of the leaders of those organizations and their ties. And, Don, this is all using their own information from their own social media. You know, we've never been sued before because we use their words. We use their photos. And, and it speaks volumes of who these folks are. And, but they're the same ones that are going into the churches talking about interfaith and our gods are the same. And I just urge people to learn, to learn who's in your backyard as far as these Islamic organizations. They are not all charitable organizations. And so that's, you know, again, they're funded by George Soros on a lot of levels, but most of their money comes from the Middle East. And so um, it's, it's in our college campuses. It's everywhere in our curriculum here in Tennessee. And when you said the buckle of the Bible belt, we often say that, you know, that belt is down around our knees right now because we're letting these people take hold. <laughs> Uh, you know, down here in the South. So um, there's a lot of information in that book, and I, I hope that people would, would check it out. Absolutely. And everybody, you can keep up with Kathy at dailyrollcall.com. Check out the podcast. Check out the site. A lot of great information on there. Kathy, thank you so much for your time today, and I would love to have you back on again. Absolutely. All right. Thank have you. a great weekend. Thanks, you too. Kathy Hinners, everybody, dailyrollcall.com. Check it out. And it's just, you know, one thing you'll notice about all of this stuff, there's always these great names, right? It always sounds really good. We, we had somebody from uh, the Nashville area here last week on the program, and uh, it, it, was, it was the member, it was the, the health checks. It was the wellness checks of the kids, which sounds great until you actually read the details. That's why it's always important to read the details. Uh, Affordable Health Care Act, anyone? Uh, I'll rest my case there. But it always sounds so nice. It always sounds like it's going to be such a great thing. And then it's not, right? When you get the details, it just isn't. But you think about this. Think, think about the, the Middle Eastern influence that, that's taking place in this country. They've got a foothold here. 
This all happened under eight years of Barack Obama. They were also concerned, though, about foreign interference and in elections. Um, that's kind of what this is, kind of the same thing. But I guess only if it's Russia, it's bad. Um, if it's the Middle East, it's good, I guess. I don't know. Try to make sense of it. I try and just doesn't seem to happen. So uh, we got Ron DeSantis down here in Florida. I want to point this out here. Uh, rock star at the Thursday rally in, in here in Jacksonville. Uh, the people love him uh, and they love him for his, I mean, he's in a way he is a little bit like President Trump in the fact that he just says it right. He does the right things. Um, he's enacted some new laws here. If you're uh, protesting, Peaceful protesting, not a problem. Getting in people's faces at, while they're eating in a restaurant, not okay. Uh, trying to force people to put their fist up in the air and scream out somebody's name, not okay. Deciding what route somebody should take when they're traveling in their vehicle in the streets, not okay. You don't get to do those things. These are the so-called anti-fascists. All these things they're doing are, that's right, fascism. So I think they may be got a bad rap on uh, understanding the actual meaning of the word fascism. Uh, you can look at it this way, too. For three and a half years now, they've accused President Trump of being a dictator, right? He's a dictator. He's like Hitler. He's like all these horrible things that they say. But they're demanding that he actually act like a dictator. Joe Biden is promising a mask mandate. There's a reason that President Trump didn't do a mask mandate, because like that's not how our country works. We got this crazy little thing called freedom. I don't know. It used to be like, used to be like a really good thing. And now apparently, uh, at least if you're on the left, it's, uh, it's evil, right? It's a horrible, horrible thing. We don't need freedom. We need the government to dictate everything we do to control our actions, to tell us what to wear, what to eat, where to go, when we can go. Uh, that's not how the country works. So the mask mandate, um, not going to play out well, I don't think, in middle America. But uh, we're going to read a little bit about this because I've got some things to read about Gover Governor DeSantis. They're trying to make him the evil guy. They're, they want him to be the, the face of death when it comes to COVID-19. And it's even being said by people like Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, just a reminder, as of today, 33,000, over 33,000 deaths in the state of New York. Florida, 13,800. So, um, yeah, I don't think really Governor DeSantis would be the face of death, but uh, the guy who actually is, statistically at least speaking, uh, likes to slam on Governor DeSantis and talk about how horribly he run the, ran the whole situation. So crazy times we're living in, amazing times really, and uh, it's going to get crazier as we move forward towards that election. Just wait until President Trump wins re-election. Woof. It's going to get ugly. So got to take a quick commercial break, and we will be back with my good friend, Major General Paul Valley. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you could find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. 
If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. And here is our newly remodeled hotel business center. Floppy disk drive computer, dot matrix printer, and modem. Modem? That's right. Dial up. Hello. Need a new way to work when you're on the road? Regis has over 1,100 professional business lounges. Access to meeting rooms with video conference studios. Private offices you can book by the hour or day. And a mobile app to find Regis locations. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Your mom's got your back. Your friends have your back. Your dog's definitely got your back. But who's got your back when you need legal help? We do. We're LegalZoom. And over the last 10 years, we've helped millions of people protect their families and run their businesses. We have the right people on hand to answer your questions, backed by a trusted network of attorneys. So visit us today for legal help you can count on. LegalZoom. Legal help is here. This is Don Smith from The Don Smith Show. As a conservative talk show host, there is one undeniable truth. Nobody is more uplifting and inspiring than the Democrats. I've always envied them for this. In fact, one could almost say with the new crop that has just come into Congress, they light up our lives. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. You give me hope to You know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical. You light up Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Hi, this is Chuck Woolery. 
You're listening to The Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. Welcome back to the program. One person always fighting the good fight is my next guest and good friend, Major General Paul Valley, standofamericaus.org. Check him out today. General, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Don. What's going on? Oh, my goodness, what a day this is going to be. So I think some uh, liberal heads are going to explode today, and uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it myself. But let's talk about that a little bit before. I want to talk about the Flynn thing, but let me get into this a little bit because I think this is monumental. I remember, and I know you do too, 2008, Barack Obama talking about fundamentally transforming America. When you look at what's going on Mm -hmm. in the Supreme Court, and he didn't. Fortunately, he didn't. He tried, but... Um, he didn't. So we watch what's happening right now. So you've got Ruth Bader Ginsburg, obviously activist. I don't want to diminish her. Uh, I, she did a lot of great things if you're a liberal, uh, but she was an activist. She was as far left as you could get. And I think now we're going to have we're going to replace her with the most probably the most far right uh, conservative justice. So let's talk about this, because I think this actually what President Trump has accomplished on the Supreme Court is actually fundamentally transforming America. Talk about that. Well, no, it's very true, and that's why it's important uh, that uh, if it's Amy uh, Barrett, that uh, the approval uh, from the Senate uh, vote is uh, in the positive and done very soon. We cannot afford to wait to have a a four and four. We need basically the nine Supreme Court justices uh, because of the election. Because we can see uh, what's happening now, the Socialist Democrats and others are trying to sabotage and create a false scenario for the election. Uh, and again, the biggest problem there is going to be the, the vote counting, uh, as I see it. But anyhow, no, this is a very important uh, uh, appointment by the president. It's, it's well, and I don't even use right wing anymore, Don. Uh, she's a constitutionalist. She's a constitutionalist patriot. Uh, she believes in following uh, the laws of, uh, of equal justice for all, and uh, and that's what's important. And uh, she's a mother. Uh, she understands what's going on in the society today in schools and so on. So I think we're getting a very uh, uh, a grassroots uh, candidate in there uh, for the Supreme Court, and also she's been able to practice law all these years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think this is the thing I think we're going to see, unfortunately, uh, we're going to see the left, the true colors come out again with uh, trying to attack her and try to already trying to make her some kind of a religious nut and all these kind of things, because somehow that's not okay anymore to be religious. But uh, we saw it with we, we saw it with Justice Kavanaugh. But I want to talk about this because we had just uh, Judge Janine Pirro on just a little bit ago live and talking about her new book, Don't Lie to Me. And this is the thing that they, mm-hmm. I mean, look what they did, tried to do to Justice Kavanaugh. But I think the big lie here, General, is this. 
the media is saying, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of them are saying, well, we've got all kinds of arrows in our quiver to stop this from happening. Constitutionally, mm-hmm. they don't any more than they did the same Correct. thing with Justice Kavanaugh. They were, they were gonna, if you just made, if you just got angry enough and made enough phone calls, you were going to somehow magically stop this thing. They do not have the means to stop this, especially now. We've heard uh, Governor Rom or uh, we've heard Mitt Romney. I'm sorry, is going to uh, support this and uh, let it go forward. So talk a little bit about that because that's the big lie is that they have arrows in their quiver to actually stop this. Well, they don't, and these are just angry uh, protests, uh, angry threats, typical from uh, crazy Nancy, uh, and she is. There's something wrong with that woman. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yep. they don't. They don't. They don't have the quivers. That's just a threat. So anyhow. Hopefully it'll be a two to three day hearing and uh, then they go for the vote. They don't need to extend it uh, any longer than three days because she's been vetted before, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. so they know everything about it. They're just going to try to put up uh, all of these uh, distractions, uh, uh, again, threats and so on. Uh, They're going to attack because she's a Catholic. Well, John F. Kennedy was a Catholic. Biden's a Catholic. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. Whatever that (laughs) means. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that I, I I hope, like you said, I think you make a great point there, and I'm 100% on board with that. I hope they do this as quickly as possible to minimize just the damage to try. They're going to try to destroy this woman's life, her family's life. Uh, so I hope they do this as quickly as possible. And I agree also that it is so important in these uncharted waters with this election, with COVID-19, uh, we're going to have a lot of court challenges. I, I don't see any way that we're not going to. In fact, I want to play a clip for you, and I want to and I want to put it in this context, General, because we're hearing that that President Trump, he's not going to oh if he loses he's not going to go away peacefully he's going to stay and they're going to have to have the military come and yank him out of office. Not a single person has asked Joe Biden about Hillary's advice, the advice that she gave to Joe Biden, no matter what happens. And this also I think makes your point where you're talking about. They're trying to set something up here, and I totally believe that they are. But this is what Hillary Clinton had to say. Not one question to Joe Biden about, hey, are you going to concede the election? But here's actually what Hillary said. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the, the force of intimidation that the Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. Now, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because... I think this is going to drag out, and eventually I do believe he will win. So there you go. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Hillary's always right, isn't she? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) She's like, no, she's rarely right about anything. But uh, they conceive all these uh, false scenarios, and I think they even talk themselves into believing it. But... uh, uh, I think the key thing, though, the the point is the votes and the the fraudulent votes. And these polling sites need to be controlled, uh, the mail-in ballots. uh, uh, We need to have people um, overseeing that operation in all the precincts. And I think, uh, Don, I'm right, maybe a a 10-year prison sentence for fraudulent, for interfering with uh, the electoral um, um, process. I'm not sure judicially what it is, but uh, there's a law out there, and and some have already been arrested and put in jail. 
So uh, yeah. I think as yeah. long as that's overhanging everybody, they know they can go to jail if, if they start uh, interfering and creating uh, fraudulent uh, voting. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So everybody, StandUpAmericaUS.org is where you want to go. Great article yesterday, General. And I want to talk about this because this is a big thing, huge news. Uh, you wouldn't know it if you weren't – well, even if you're watching Fox, you won't know it. Um, we're talking about Michael Flynn, General Flynn. What was done to right. this guy? And I, I, I really hope that President Trump brings this up in the debate and puts uh, Joe Biden on the spot. But I want you to talk a little bit about what do we know now? We know more about the, uh, what, the intercommunication of the FBI and the intelligence agencies and the investigative team on this. Uh, talk a little bit about it, a great article on your, on your site. Well, you know, how, how can our FBI have been corrupted so much over, I'll say, the last decade or so, the lies, the cover-ups, and uh, trying to, uh, uh, you know, to support this coup against President Trump. I mean, these people need to be brought to justice. Uh, I cannot believe why FBI Director Ray is still there. He should have been fired a year ago. This guy is not responsible. He can't even manage the FBI uh, in this new era. Uh, we still have uh, all these, uh, uh, well, I'll say intelligence information coming out about what the FBI did and what they didn't do. A totally corrupt organization, and I've said this before, Don, I would close the FBI down on Friday, and I would open it up on Monday with something restructured, rebranded, that serves the people of the United States. I mean, we don't have equal justice, that's for sure, and that's what they're supposed to stand for. Yeah, exactly. These kind of scary times right now when it comes to the intelligence community. Well, there's no doubt about it. And uh, uh, I know the president is um, relying mostly on military intelligence uh, that we get from uh, the different areas that our military is assigned to, uh, even the military attaches that are in our embassies around the world <clears throat> provide better intel than the CIA does or uh, domestically, the FBI. Yep, exactly. Oh, you, you mentioned you mentioned Hillary Clinton being and Joe Biden being wrong about like everything, <laughs> which is which is so true. Yeah. But I want to play I want to play a clip for you because I think this is really important and it ties into foreign policy, uh, President Trump's foreign policy, which I believe has been very effective. So we're talking about peace deals in the Middle East, and when when serving as Secretary of State, you had uh, John Kerry who made some outrageous comments, right? And I want to play this, and in the context of just signing here a couple of weeks ago, two peace deals with the Middle East in support of actually Israel, which would thought unheard of. But here's what John Kerry had to say, and I want to get your reaction to this in light of actually getting some peace deals. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world and we'll deal with the Palestinians. No, 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 and no. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community. There will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that. That is a hard reality. 
Hmm. <laughs> Your thoughts, General. Hmm. <laughs> well, John Kerry, I mean, he's like Biden and Hillary. He's never right about anything either. And, uh, I mean, this guy's a total hypocrite because the president has pulled off uh, the separate uh, relations now between Israel and Bahrain, uh, uh, as well as the UA, UAE. Saudi Arabia will probably be next. But nobody ever tried to go to the Arabs first. They always wanted to depend on the Palestinian solution. Well, <laughs> Trump is not smart of him because he's gone directly to the uh, uh, the Arab countries and uh, soliciting uh, and accomplishing uh, a, a peace agreement where now, and what that really means is that they, they can trade uh, between each other. They can fly between each other's airports. I can remember going into Kuwait years ago, and I happened to have an Israeli stamp on my uh, passport, and I had to get special clearance just to get in because I had that. Now, that's gone away wow. uh, uh, for the most part in at least the two countries that have signed the agreement. So this is very critical. This is, this is outsmarting all these past secretaries of state and the, 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 the presidents that thought they could do a peace treaty by satisfying the Palestinians first. Well, President well, Trump me, rope, a, rope a dope on him, if you want to call it that. He did. Yeah, he did. And, and let, let me go a little deeper in that, because I think what he was really saying there was that under their foreign policy, the Obama administration and previous ones as well, that they were never going to abandon the Palestinians. They were never going to say, oh, okay, we don't care about you guys. We're going to do a divide and conquer thing here. We're just going to go to these countries directly. So he, in a way, he was kind of telling a little bit of truth there that I don't know if he meant to tell it or not, but, but that they were, we were strong partners with the Palestinians and we weren't going to do anything without their approval, without their involvement. Well, that was never going to happen because they're never going to do that. They're not going to acquiesce and say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and do some peace with these guys. And so I think in that respect, I think it really shows the difference between foreign policy, uh, you know, plans and thought processes. Well, yeah, and there are future plans, by the way, for the Palestinians uh, uh, as part of uh, the future agreements, as I understand. And what they would like to do is create uh, uh, economic zones, uh, even within uh, Judea Samaria, with more manufacturing. Go back to the days when the Israeli man- manufacturers and uh, businesses hired. They had over 200,000 Palestinians working for the Israeli businesses. Well, they can, they can be assisted now by these countries to build manufacturing, put the Palestinians to work, put, give these young people skills rather than just fighting all the time. And I think that's the future is an economic development program uh, for the Palestinian people, uh, not that they'll ever have their own nation, but at least they can live uh, in a peaceful way and work and contribute to their own society as well as to the Middle East and the world. So... I think that's the future. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I couldn't agree more. I want to talk about this support for the president. So we've been hearing, oh, you know, there's some groups of uh, generals and admirals and things who are supporting Joe Biden. But I think the, the, the better group here uh, and the bigger group, actually, as well, is the flag and general officers supporting the reelection of President Donald J. Trump. You're a part of that. Talk a little bit about that. Well, we have two different lists out now that I'm a part of, which supports the president. And uh, I wrote an article uh, regarding these generals and admirals that have uh, 
said that they won't support Trump uh, for many different reasons, but they're going to support Biden. But in my article, I point out most of these four stars, uh, even like Mattis uh, and Petraeus and some of the others, uh, they were the generals and admirals that couldn't win any wars in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. their policies yeah, and nation building, take trying to bring democracy into the Middle East, extending uh, warfare, now 20 years uh, almost in Afghanistan alone. And uh, uh, so they've not been successful at all. And they've been playing politics. Again, if you go back to the... Uh, industrial complex between the military and the industry that want to continue to build weapons and weapons and weapons and extend these wars because they benefit a lot. And that's true. They do. So uh, that whole uh, faction uh, that have signed documents uh, that have been released to the press, uh, not supporting Trump. Uh, uh, I think uh, they're, they're, uh, they're misreading the future, and they're misreading how good this president is when it comes to supporting the military. But we don't want extended war anymore. If there's yep. a threat to the United yep, States, exactly. we go in and take it out, and we're back home. We're not going to have these extended wars anymore like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. It's just not going to happen, and that's good. Yep. Yeah, especially, yeah, and we don't need to rebuild countries. I mean, yeah, get in, get out, no, be done with not it. No, that's not our job. And, uh, Exactly, exactly. So a lot of great stuff always going on with Stand Up America, U.S. Foundation. You recently teamed up with uh, Turning Point USA. You're on their board. But one of the things that I really love, General, is getting your newsletter. So for maybe there's some listeners out there that have probably been to the site before, but how would they go about signing up and and getting this letter? Because I think you guys put out a lot of great information on that. Well, if they go to our website, there's a sign-up section on the front page of the website to sign up for our newsletter or they can email uh, standupamericausa1 at gmail and get our uh, our uh, <clears throat> newsletter every two weeks uh, but we put a lot of content out on, on that uh, website uh, Don, uh, everything you can think about that's important uh, to the future, great content so I, yeah. I implore everybody to go to the website get the newsletter and support us any way they can make donations when they can. We're always appreciative of that. Yep. And you always do such great work. So everybody stand up America, us.org sign up for the newsletter, stay involved, uh, keep up with the general general. Always great to have you on the program. It's always an honor and uh, look forward to next time we get together again. Thank you, Don. Always a pleasure for sure. All right. Have a great Great weekend, my friend. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. General Paul, bye-bye. General Paul Valley, StandUpAmericaUS.org. Sign up. It's a great newsletter. Always a lot of great information on there, and um, always a pleasure to have him on the program. So uh, talking about before we went into the break, when we're talking about this, this hit job that's being done, and let's call it what it is, because that's what it is. Governor Ron DeSantis here in the state of Florida, very popular, okay? The left hates him because he likes President Trump, and he supports the president, which – just think about the mentality of that, if you will. It, it, it's, it's somehow that they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to support the president. He's a Republican. The president's a Republican. Um, I think he's kind of supposed to support the president, uh, just like the Democrats expected the Democrats to support Barack Obama when he was in office. We're seeing this huge hit job. And, and we, we've talked to people actually in other countries who go, wow, I heard it's really bad in Florida. And uh, No, 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 it isn't. 
Uh, we were at a rally with thousands and thousands of people here on Thursday. Yeah, very little mask wearing, very little social distancing, um, and, and we're doing okay. <laughs> we're not in such bad shape. But it's incredible to listen to people and the way that – so this is a story uh, from the intelligencer. Ron DeSantis is risking Floridians' lives to benefit Trump. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is pushing an anti-protest bill that would shield people who use their cars to kill demonstrators from legal liability, among other provisions. The announcement comes two months after his mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic left Florida with America's single-day infection record, with 15,299 new cases on July 12th, and the second-highest infection rate of any state today, with 3,184 cases per 100,000 people. Neither development, can, neither development can be separated from DeSantis's syncophantic relationship to President Trump, which has led him to deprioritize sound governance in favor of endangering Floridians' lives to advance the president's political goals. Folks, I, there was an article yesterday, and I'm not even kidding. This was in the New York Magazine. It was even worse than this one. Uh, they just basically said that Ron DeSantis really actually wants people to die. Because somehow that's a good thing. But I want you to put, I want to put this in context. Again, context is such a big word for the liberals today, so let's do it. Number of deaths. Okay, this is the stat that, and it's a horrible stat. We don't like to talk about things in this, in this aspect, but we have to. Again, context is important. So New York City, this was in a New York magazine, the New York magazine, 33,000 deaths in their state. But instead... Who's, who's the boogeyman here? Who's the really bad guy that wants people to die? That's right, Governor Ron DeSantis, where we have just under 14,000 deaths. Not good. Nobody wants to have deaths. Um, but the reality of it is this. It's whether you're a Republican or whether you're not a Republican. If, if the Republican policies were so bad and the infection was so horrendous, we would really be in a lot of trouble here in the state of Florida. We have the highest, most, uh, most affected people, right? Where, where do people go when they retire? That's right. They come to Florida. And they come from states like New York and from all over the country, but they come to Florida. We have the most vulnerable population in America, bar none. There's not even, I mean, Arizona may be a close second, but, or uh, not even a close second, but they are second, and there are a significant number of people who go to Arizona to retire. Florida is the number one retirement destination in America. So we should be the ones with 33,000, right? If, if Governor Ron DeSantis was doing such a horrible job, these people don't even mention Andrew Cuomo. 33,000 deaths in the state of New York. Oh, guess who's second? That's right, New Jersey with 16,000. They don't mention that either. Why? Because they are Democrats running those states. But the attacks on Governor Ron DeSantis are amazing. Just the article that we were reading there. Yeah, you heard this, right? So, okay. So Ron DeSantis is pushing an anti-protest bill. That's a good thing, folks. If you believe in law and order, if you don't want your cities burned down, um, yeah, that's a good thing. That would shield people who use their cars to kill demonstrators from legal liability. You're seeing these videos. You're seeing people demand that people turn around and go another way. No. No, get out of the street. But if you stop that vehicle, you see what happens. You're getting yanked out of your vehicle. You're getting hit with baseball bats. You're... Reginald Denny. Anybody remember that? Right, right. From the from the uh, L.A. riots. I think we all remember that uh, horrible video 
watching that guy. That's what happens if you stop your vehicle. What Ron DeSantis is saying is, don't stop your vehicle. Don't let them rip you out of your car. So, yeah, drive. Not, to, not with the intention of killing people. These people aren't going driving their cars down here because they're going, well, I'm going to kill me some protesters. That's not what's going on here. Let's be realistic about this, right? So I think we all know what's going on here. This is a hit job on uh, the governor of the great state of Florida, who I think actually is doing a pretty good job considering, again, our most vulnerable population. Um, I think it's an important thing. So hit job's going to continue. They're going to do everything they can to try to turn the numbers. His poll numbers are good. He's loved here in Florida. He would win re-election today if there was an election, and that's what they hate. So it is time for our weekly Vets in the Fight set rep boss, brought to us by our friends at Special Operations Speaks. So here it is. Hello, all you Vets in the Fight. This is David Miller with your weekly Special Operations Speaks Vets in the Fight sit rep. Sometimes the title Vets in the Fight too easily rolls off the tongue as we lead off another of our 180-plus sit reps. We typically define Vets in the Fight as honorably discharged American veterans who live by their military oaths, vote, run for public office when qualified, and hold government accountable. This morning, we give brief yet respectful tribute to Vets in the Fight past, present, and future. By our estimate, there are essentially three generations of vets who compose this exclusive sector of America, ranging from a few World War II vets to those recently returned from Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan, roughly a span of 75 years. We vets in this 75-year echelon, in turn, stand upon the shoulders of men and boys who answered the call beginning with the Great Alarm on 19 April 1775, marching from hundreds of farms and villages. Nine such young men came from one of our founders' hometowns of Marlboro, Massachusetts, marching the 12 miles overnight to Lexington and Concord in time to add their firepower to that shot heard around the world, to that of 20,000 other Minutemen, driving the British oppressor back the 20 miles to Boston in a bloody rout of King George's finest infantry. City streets, parks, and schools are named today after some of these fine young farm boys who went on to hold public office or excel in business and agriculture. Notions of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, original to their era and valued like precious jewels. Succeeding ways of American military stepped forward, standing on their predecessor's shoulders. Vets in the fight before we ever coined the term in 2013. Our current crop of vets in a fight is faced with challenges unimaginable only a few years ago. We vets must give that extra measure of courage and commit our lives yet again to saving this republic. Psalm 27.1, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Like our forefathers, we are now entrusted to the safeguarding of our nation. The battle lines have been drawn by the insurgents. Their false bravado, buoyed by weak-minded governors and mayors, will evaporate as sure as Hillary Clinton's emails when American patriots have finally had enough. Technology may have changed by quantum leaps during our history, but warfare, whether it be cyber, psychological, or kinetic, is ugly business, and we must all be prepared for whatever the Democrat communists throw at us. Like the wounded animals they are, 
They're in full panic mode, and nothing is too low, too underhanded to attempt. They have already threatened to, quote, burn the system down, end quote, if President Trump wins re-election, and we would be foolish not to take them at their word. Our tagline at the end of each recent sitrep, be armed, be trained, and have a plan, is more than just a trite saying. We have to believe. For instance, the shortage of firearms and ammo may be due in part to both sides in panic mode, buying whatever they can get, hopefully more hours than theirs. Check your logistics. Are you good on ammo, food, fuel, meds, and especially a water source? Is your equipment ready and secure? Do you have an evac plan, and have you rehearsed it with family members? Do you know of any first-time gun owners who need training? If so, help them out. Their proficiency may be the difference between life or death. Plans similar to those published by the American Red Cross and others are a very good guideline for these desperate times. As Rush Limbaugh likes to say, don't doubt me on this. A part of any good plan is to network with neighbors, at least those who have the slightest situational awareness. If you live in or near a city, be forewarned. Time is short. May today's vets in a fight be held in high esteem by their great-grandchildren who will say, my great-granddad and my great-aunt and great-uncles were vets in the fight. They answered the call again, fighting the Marxists in the key battles of Washington, D.C., New York City, Astoria, Oregon, Rock Island, Illinois, Baltimore, Philly, and Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina from 2020 to 2023 and saved America from savage tyranny. Be armed, be trained, and have a plan. This is David Miller for Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight Everywhere. Keep your powder dry and your hatchet scoured. If we take a knee and bow to anyone, let it be to God Almighty and never to man, that he may keep and bless our exceptional republic. Deo Presso Liber. Patriotic Warriors is a grassroots organization built to engage our community. While others talk about preserving our constitutional republic, Patriotic Warriors is taking action to restore the American dream. If you're truly concerned about the future of this great nation, visit PatrioticWarriors.com today. The time is now. PatrioticWarriors.com. That's PatrioticWarriors.com. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you can find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at Formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com. 
or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. The TeaPartyCommunity.com website was built to provide an online safe haven social community for all of the tea parties across America to utilize and enjoy. Tea Party Community serves as a hub for sharing ideas, unifying a movement, and organizing strategies to keep America in her rightful place as the greatest nation on earth. Visit TeaPartyCommunity.com today to open your free account. At TeaPartyCommunity.com, we welcome all factions of the Tea Party and conservative movements to join us here and establish their presence. Upgraded and special privileged accounts are available for large conservative groups and nonprofit organizations. Join TeaPartyCommunity.com today and get involved in the process of taking our country back. My mother froze everything. I was 18 years old before I had my first fresh bun. The invention that I came up with is the Hot Dog Easy Bun Steamer. Steam is the key to a great hot dog. I knew it was going to be a success. The invention was so simple that I knew I needed to protect it. My name is Chris Chute, and I got my patent, trademark, and LLC on LegalZoom. We created LegalZoom to help people start their business and launch their dreams. Go to LegalZoom today and make your business dream a reality. At LegalZoom.com, we put the law on your side. I'm Deneen Borelli, author of Blacklash. Hi, I'm Senator Mike Lee. Hi, this is Governor Scott Walker and the Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. Back to the program. Always my pleasure to have my next guest on. He is the editor of PeoplesPunditDaily.com. You know him, you love him, Mr. Rich Barris. Rich, welcome back. Hello, my friend. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing this week? Absolutely amazing. We had a great rally here in Jacksonville that was incredible. How are you doing? Did I lose you? No. Are you there? I said we're doing absolutely. Oh amazing. yeah, I heard we about the rally in Jacksonville. Then I think I, yeah, yeah. I glitched out. All right, all right. Well, you're back now. So how are you doing? A living the dream, my friend. I can't complain. Been busy, but nice. uh, like you said, it's been a lot to cover. There's a lot going on. Uh, so that's that's the silly season for you, right? That's what we do this for. 
Yeah, that's really cranking up starting here at 5 p.m. tonight. So I want to talk a little bit about this, obviously, the Supreme Court. We're going to hear the pick. Uh, everybody's expecting it to be Amy Coney Barrett, which seems like a great pick. But I do, again, want to caution everyone. This is President Donald J. Trump. Uh, everybody thought it was going to be Amy Coney Barrett last time before it was uh, Kavanaugh. So I think it's probably going to be that. But what, what are your thoughts about the announcement that's coming here uh, tonight? That is a good thing to remember, Don. I mean, I know you do, and I remember talking about this together, right? They faked us mm-hmm. out bad last time. Uh, I mean, she was on the move and everything. You remember that? Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then even the first time around, Gorsuch was a total uh, shock to everybody. So they, they really kept a good tight lid on Gorsuch until the final uh, stretch. But... Look, you know, I think in the end, um, there's the, there are two questions, right? There are how Supreme Court picks and battle over the, battles over the Supreme Court picks have actually worked out electorally speaking versus what some polls show, which I went into a little bit yesterday with the ABC poll that came out. In 2016, Don, the polls uh, definitely showed the same thing, right? So this would benefit Hillary Clinton. In the end, it did not. Donald Trump carried those who cited the Supreme Court appointments as their number one issue, and he carried them pretty handily. This issue, when it comes to the left and the voters that vote on it, they vote anyway. It's not really an issue of whether or not they're going to go to the polls. The reason why, in the end, in practice, it helps the right, typically, is because there are certain voters uh, for Trump specifically – that may not have had the lug now they don't have the luxury of listening to like the decency argument we're calling it that Biden makes because now it's all on the line and then of course there are uh, there's always questions about participation rates among evangelicals and this issue gets them to the polls uh, like no other mm-hmm. yeah exactly I want to talk about this because. 2016, we saw Hillary Clinton, and she made her basket full of deplorables, which did not play well in middle America. A lot of people did not like that. Uh, Those are neighbors, friends, family uh, that she was calling, not only just saying basket full of deplorables, but actually defining them, misogynists, Islamophobes, all the – all the things that she said, all the little labels she threw out. I think there's a danger here for the left rich, and I think it's this. I think this could be the basket full of deplorables moment when they start, and you know they're going to attack this woman. He's going to pick a woman. We they're know already that. going. We know no matter. Yep, yep. Yeah. We know no matter who it is, they are going to attack her. Now they say Trump is underwater with the with the women vote, the suburban uh, white women vote. Do you think this has an impact? Because I don't think women are going to like to see a a female Supreme Court justice being attacked by the left. You know, Don, I got to be honest. I think that, well, we're already seeing those attacks, right? I'm Mm -hmm. not sure I would have looked. The president, it's his choice. He's the president. I didn't run for president. He did, right? (laughs) And he won. I did Mm -hmm. not, right? So it is his choice. (laughs) I personally would not have picked Amy Coney Barrett. I'll be honest with you. I I think that it's a fight that uh, it's a little bit more risky than some of the other picks out there that were just, uh, you know, uh, easier to win, I would say, right? However, the argument is that, like you just said, he's down with the suburban vote. She looks like a very typical white suburban woman. Let's be real about how she looks, right? And they're going to go after her. They're already sliming this woman, Don, about her Haitian adopted children, that maybe they stole them, somebody from the Hill said. I'm not kidding. Maybe she, she, like, stole them or kidnapped. I mean, really, Don, it's off the chain already. 
And then, of course, we did see the reason why so many people on the right like Barrett is because of her exchange with Dianne Feinstein about Catholicism and The Handmaid's Tale, and right? So they're going to attack her over that. It is a risk for Democrats to do this. They have, uh, I would say, a certain degree of advantage among a certain group of voters that look like Amy Coney Barrett this time. Although I would argue that those voters are also the most susceptible to social desirability bias, and maybe those margins will not be quite what everyone expects them to be on Election Day. It's a repeat of 2016, perhaps, where we saw Hillary performing better among these women than she actually did on Election Day. It's just that the, they're, they're difficult to poll. They, they don't like to tell you the truth sometimes, and they're, you know, they're, they're uh, social pressures. They feel that. So if they come out, the Kavanaugh debacle, whatever you want to call it, the overreach in Kavanaugh, um, coupled with Donald Trump crisscrossing the country, saved the U.S. Senate for the Republicans. I mean he single-handedly did it with the Kavanaugh issue, and you know, we polled North Dakota that year. We polled Indiana that year. Uh, Florida was another one, of course, as you know. And there were some races where perhaps Democrats could have hold, held on, if, you know, not by big margins, because those were always going to be tough races. But the Kavanaugh debacle, I mean, in North Carolina, we were – I mean, in North Dakota, we were tracking that, Kramer versus Heitkamp. And the, you know, there was a time when it looked like Heitkamp may have been able to hang on. It would have been close. But I'm talking about a razor's, you know, razor-thin margin. And then once that happened, it just blew wide open for Kramer, and he just ran away. And uh, they saw – women saw that attack on Kavanaugh like an attack on their son. Like how would it feel if your son was unjustly accused of being a gang rapist, right? And they went into mama, mama bear defense mode. That really is fundamentally what happened. Could you imagine if this woman is smeared the way – I mean she's not going to be accused of the things that Kavanaugh were. But, I mean, in their own right, they'll be just as egregious. And we can already see it. I mean taking children, Don, taking Haitian children. I mean, <laughs> I mean this could really they, – they really need to be careful with this. They really do. And then they got to they gotta check their Catholic bigotry at the door because Joy Reid already put out what is, you know, open Catholic – anti-Catholic bigotry on Twitter. And there's a difference between it, you know, being on Twitter and then graduating to the nightly news. Right. And if it does, uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. They can't do that. Yeah. And we already heard uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein using the same dogma and all this stuff. She's too religious and somehow that's against the law now to be too religious, I guess, unless you're Muslim or whatever. But let's talk about this because we talked about this during the Kavanaugh hearings and, and all the debacle, <laughs> like you said, that thing was just, a, was just a complete mess. But what we kept hearing from the left, Rich, was that uh, they had so many ways that they could stop this, and they were going to stop Kavanaugh, and uh, people just had to get a little angrier and had to call people and yell at them, and, and then it would all stop. We both knew, and we talked about it on the program, that they had no way to stop it. Here we are again. Same yeah. thing. Uh, there's, an, there's an article that came out of the Washington Post here just about an hour ago, and it's saying that it's kind of basically recommending that the Democrats really need to just kind of ignore it, just pretend it's not happening, and that it'll go away. I don't think that's going to be an effective strategy. I don't think it's going to work. And I know, just like with Kavanaugh, they do not have any arrows in their quiver, as Nancy Pelosi said. Uh, talk about that, because I think that's a big thing that's going to drive up. We've already got enough anger in this country right now. We've got violence, looting, burning 
burning things down in streets. Uh, how do you see this playing out once we go forward after the nomination or the pick is, is made, made public? Well, they don't have control of these people. This is a, a, a fairy tale. I mean, you know, Tuck, I would have to say, Tucker Carlson is right that they are essentially the de facto, um, you know, militia of the Democratic Party. But they don't really control them, Don. You know, so what, they don't they can't stop them from going to Twitter and saying, if this really goes forward, we're going to go, you know, we're going to take to the streets and riot and, you know, burn whatever. I mean, there's a by the way, that that is the very definition of terrorism, threatening violence uh, to to affect a political outcome is actually the definition mm-hmm. of terrorism. Uh, but you, you, <laughs> they don't have it's like this myth that they can control it. So it'll do you remember the chasing down of um of uh, uh, Jeff Flake, the Flake in Arizona, and yep. cornering him in in the e- elevator. Yep. They can't stop people from doing this. They don't have it, <laughs> and they think actually in their twisted little uh, world because they live in bubbles. They think that that is like uh, you know power to that those people, right? They don't really see mm-hmm. the damage that it does to their you know per, the optically to their persona uh, to Middle America. They don't see it. So not only can't they stop it. But they won't stop it, even if they could. And they feel like that, that works to their advantage. It's ludicrous. But I think that that really, like I said, there's a line. And that's the danger there, right? So um, that hel- in the House, they took the House because of the health care issue. And then marginally, some of the people that you know, did buy into Bloomberg's ads over certain congressmen being the Russia thing, right? Um, so they, they, that was on the margins, but I would argue it was all about health care. In the Senate, Don, uh, they didn't do historic, – by historical standards, they did terrible. And the presidency is more related to the Senate, you know, senatorial elections than it is related to the national popular vote in the House. In the yep. end, yep, the presidency sense. is 50 state races, Don, and it didn't turn out well last time for them. No, and they want to change all the rules now. But I want to talk about this because this is a big thing here this week, and this this is really what set the stage for the announcement tonight. And I think it would have happened any that would have happened anyway. But the process going forward, and that is Mitt Romney. So if if anybody doesn't understand how big this is, the Supreme Court, and how it's I've always said it, it's bigger, way bigger than the presidency. Presidency at the most last eight years, uh, Supreme Court justice can last 40, 50 years. But here's Mitt Romney, who people were, he's the new McCain, and so he was supposed to be the reasonable Republican and all that garbage. But even he understands the importance of the Supreme Court going forward and the long-term impacts of it. What were your thoughts when you heard that Mitt Romney actually was not going to try to stop this? Yeah, so I think actually that uh, I've heard, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I will tell people what I've heard, that um, they did speak to Mitt Romney and he favored Amy Coney Barrett. And, uh, you know, so it was like, they went to these senators and they said, you know, this is the pick, uh, and that she was the one where he was uh, most willing to make a public statement over. So, but it does show you that in the end, um, you know, it is important even to uh, Mitt Romney. So I'm with you on the idea that the Supreme Court does matter more than the presidency. A president is out in no more than eight years and potentially in four years. The Supreme Court is a lifetime position. I will add to that, too, that this idea 
one of the most dishonest pieces of reporting I've seen over this time is the idea that Democrats are now all of a sudden going to pack the court if Republicans confirm Amy Coney Barrett or <laughs> Trump's inevitable nominee, right? They're all of a sudden going to add two senators from the District of Columbia and potentially even Puerto Rico. And by the way, for those who say, no, they can't, the rules are the rules. I, I mean, are, have you been paying attention for four years? They don't give a damn about your rules. They're still playing by the old rules. They don't care. They're going to do it. If given the power, they will do it. And it's been the most dishonest thing in this whole conversation over the last week, Don, that all of a sudden they planned on doing that anyway. And somehow with the help of the corrupt media, the corporate you know, hate machine, they have been allowed to skate by without debating that or, or answering themselves on this issue with the American people. Because we actually added, we're adding it to the Florida poll we're doing. It is grossly unpopular. For uh, the idea that you could pack the court or add more senators. People don't want two senators from the District of Columbia, Don. They don't want two more Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court. But we have been – we haven't debated this at all. None of this has uh, you know, been you know, d- debated in the presidential level or even in anybody's Senate races. Martha McSally was the only one to bring this up in a local interview, and they mocked her, and that was about a month ago. And now, of course, you know, she was right. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, this is, I can't let you go without talking about this, the debate this Tuesday. Uh, you know, everybody's saying, you know, be careful, don't set the expectations so low for Joe Biden that no matter what he does, it, it's a win for him. But we've got to be honest about this, Rich. I mean, this is highly anticipated. I think it will be quite possibly the most watched presidential debate ever. I think even if you're on the left, if you're on the left, you're watching it going, oh, please hold it together, hold it together. <laughs> and if you're on yeah. the right, you're like, yes, yeah. I've been waiting for this for a long time. So give us a preview. What are your thoughts? What are you looking for in this upcoming debate on Tuesday? I will say to people uh, from a historic point of view, uh, ah. the president better have prepared. I will just say this for two reasons. Uh-huh. One. Incumbent presidents have been known to bomb their first debate. It happened with George W. Bush. It happened with his father, who lost. It happened with Reagan versus Mondale. And it happened to Barack Obama. Why? Because they're busy being the president. And they think that, you know, I mean, they, it's, a, it's a tough job, folks. You can't call a lid at 930 like Joe Biden did again this morning <laughs> in debate prep the entire time. And then, two, because, I, you know, I don't play the game. Joe Biden is senile. He is in the early stages of mental uh, – of, of what appears to be dementia. However, that is exacerbated by pressure, and you need to put I, – I, I mean I know this sounds horrible, but I'm not the one who convinced Joe Biden to run for president. Trump needs to put pressure on him to get that to come out because those episodes always occur – if you follow and cover Joe Biden, you know I'm telling the truth. The episodes always occur when Joe Biden is under pressure. And if he feels like Donald Trump's not prepared and he gets zingers in there, he'll feel like he can coast through this thing. If Trump goes in there prepared and he starts hammering and, and just hammering him, then he will start to go into what we, ne- what we know Joe Biden does when he's challenged and confronted. So the difference for Trump this time is that he doesn't, because of all the changes to voting and mail-in voting, he doesn't have the uh, luxury of having a bad first incumbent debate like some of the other ones have had. There will be a lot of people voting by then, Don. So I think Trump could do, if he puts the work in, Trump could do real damage to Joe Biden on Tuesday. Because uh, so 
the only Biden one-on-one debate we saw in the primary was with Sanders, and Sanders is a chump. He's nobody's champion. He doesn't. He has never shown a willingness to go where you need to go to do what you need to do to go after the establishment candidate, and that's why he continues to mm-hmm. fail. But in the other debates, it was the Pete Buttigieg, the the Kamala Harris, his running mate, right, and others mm-hmm. who went after Joe Biden. And when Joe was on the ropes, he would. St- that is when it all falls apart for him. So there are a lot of Democrats we know that are absolutely terrified that Trump is going to be prepared. If he comes out swinging, then Joe will uh, be seen as weak, and he'll start to stutter, and he'll just uh, fall apart. Um, so they're, they're, they're ho- I know they got their fingers crossed, hoping that he did what a lot of presidents do, most, most modern, you know, which is forget that they should prep for this thing you know, and move forward. And yep. I know people take that for granted, Don, but I'm telling you, you should prep. I, you know, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you make a great point there. And it's uh, there's a saying in you know, football. That's why they play the game, because on paper, it may look like a total lopsided uh, thing, but anybody can win at any night. And and I think uh, to your point, too, the president does have to perform. So we I mean, we, there's all these expectations, yeah. all these things going on, but he does have to perform. And I think there's also a danger of a sympathy vote. If he's actually too hard on Biden and Biden falls apart too much, uh, there's the possibility of people going, well, that's, he's being so mean to him. And, and I think Hillary Clinton was counting on that when she debated him and she didn't get that. So I think those are all great points. Inside the numbers, uh, what do you got going on this week? Yeah, so we're going to have the results of uh, the Florida poll. We'll have some indication uh, by Tuesday and what is going on out there. You know, basically we had some really – what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the ABC Washington Post poll comes out. It's Trump plus four. You look at the electorate, they're projecting it to be R plus four in Florida. And then you have some other YouGovs and other crazy ones that come out, and it's like Biden plus a million, and the the, the electorates in them were D plus eight, D plus six. I don't know if people have saw, but we went over this on Inside the Numbers last week. The update just came through with the new numbers. Democrats, their advantage in Florida has slipped below 200,000 for the first time ever. It is the most narrow margin ever uh, and definitely the most narrow since partisan tracking of uh, registrations began in 1972. At 260, Don, that was already an incredibly historic low, which was the last update. We're now down to one in the 180s. And Donald Trump, for, for context, won the state of Florida with a a deregistration advantage of over 300,000, about 360-plus. And Mitt Romney barely lost the state when Barack Obama had over a half a million. My point being is the idea that we're going to look at the Florida poll this week on Inside the Numbers, the idea that Florida will be D-plus anything at this moment is a fantasy, a complete and total fantasy. It was R-plus-1 in 2018 when Democrats had a great election. So at first when I saw the Washington Post poll, I I couldn't wait to poll ourselves because I thought maybe that's a little bit too rosy for Trump. But because the turnout differential (laughs) favors Republicans so much, Don, I wouldn't be surprised if the electorate in Florida is at least R plus two, if not R plus four. That wouldn't shock me at all anymore. But we're going to go in and poll. We're going to find out. Nice. All good stuff. Inside the numbers, check it out if you're not already doing so. You can find out more at peoplespunditdaily.com. Rich, you guys have a great weekend, and I look forward to next week wrapping up the debate, and uh, I think we're going to have a bunch of clips for that. So have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, my friend. All the best. 
Great show. Another one. Great show. Thank you. Thank you. To you as well. All right. Richard Barris, peoplespunditdaily.com. Check him out today. You know, incredible stuff going on here. And I think when it comes to Joe Biden and his readiness and his preparedness, I think if you've been in, if you've been in politics for 47 years and you're still needing to practice a debate, and like I said earlier, I think what you're going to probably see is President Trump's going to probably have like a rally. Like he'll fly in five minutes before the debate starts, fresh off a rally, and uh, I don't think he really feels like he needs to prep. I hope that doesn't hurt him. I don't think it will. I think he's ready, uh, ready to debate anytime, anyone, and I think he'll do just fine. But he does have to perform. You know, it, it, this happened earlier this week, and this this is this is Joe Biden. So he's going to be debating. I don't think they're going to allow him to have a teleprompter, but I actually hope they do because it really shows how out of touch, how uh, out of touch with his own thoughts and, and policies. And he, he, he's got to read it. I mean, he, can't, he doesn't even have it in his heart, in his mind. Um, he's not able to share it. This happened earlier. This is a sit-down interview. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I've interviewed a lot of great people, and I would never sit down and interview somebody and, and allow them to bring in a teleprompter. Because, like, um, that's not really an interview. But this happened earlier in the week, if you didn't hear this. There are going to be no deportations in the first 100 days of my campaign. Mm. Let me get that right. You are going to freeze deportations? Freeze deportations for the first 100 days. And the and only people will be deported are people who committed a felony while here. That's number one. I, okay, I lost that. Line. Yeah, well, it's, but that's good, because no. we, can, we can talk to you and I on that. We can talk later on that. He missed that line. The teleprompter went a little too fast for him. He had to read that. He couldn't memorize that. So is that really his policy? Is that, what is that? What, what, what is that? And, and keep in mind, the reason he's even addressing that is this. Nobody, no administration in the history of this country has deported more people than the Obama-Biden administration. So this is why he's doing this. This is why he's doing this, because the polling shows that, wow, Hispanics seem to be kind of coming out for President Trump, which, like, is unheard of, unbelievable to them. Uh, the black vote that President Trump, the support that he has there, is unheard of, unprecedented levels. Uh, this is frightening to these people. This is frightening. So I think that's the real danger of them. You've got a female who's going to be selected. We know it's going to be a woman. We think it's Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, we don't know that for sure, that part of it. But uh, how, how does it hurt? The, because right now, that's their strength. That is their strength with suburban women uh, across the country for Joe Biden. But he's losing the Hispanic vote. He's losing the black vote. So he's, he's I mean, just so blatantly pandering to these people. And again, Nobody deported more people, more illegal aliens than the Obama-Biden administration. But the fact that he has to read it, uh, and then even then, he, he can't keep up with the teleprompter. And he asked, okay, if he was in full control of his faculties, he wouldn't have said that. Oh, I lost that line. He would have just not said anything, right? So you don't even have to watch the video clip of that to know what's going on there. But he's literally turning his head, reading this off the teleprompter. He can't even memorize something as simple as that. So what happens on the stage? Now, a couple, couple problematic uh, situations here is you do have Chris Wallace. So is Chris Wallace going to turn into – is he going to be the Megyn Kelly of, uh, of 2016? Um, is he going to kind of mock the president? Is he going to 
uh, try to actually be like he is one of the candidates, like he's the guy running against. And that was the problem with Megyn Kelly, and we all saw how that worked out for Megyn. So boo-hoo, uh, so sad. The worst thing about the Megyn Kelly thing wasn't even the confronting President Trump. It was the God thing. Remember that? When she well, critics say that you guys are a bunch of religious whack jobs. And uh, that was a question to Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, and she said, so. Oh, so what does God say to you? And I thought that was the worst part. But anyway, tune in Tuesday. I know you'll be watching. I'll be watching. we got plenty of popcorn on hand, and uh, it should be a, an amazing evening. So looking forward to it. want to thank my guests, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Major General Paul Vallely, Kathy Hinners, and, of course, my good friend, Mr. Rich Barris. So check out peoplespunditdaily.com. Sorry for starting uh, two hours early. If you're just tuning in now, again, you can go back and listen to the show from the beginning, but it was well worth it. Great interview with Judge Janine Pirro. Watch her at 9 p.m. tonight and listen to this announcement. This is huge. This is a, a transformational shift in this country, and I'm excited about it. I hope you are as well. Be back here next Saturday. I promise this time, I mean it, we'll be back at our normal time.